What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 241st episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I am your host, SBJ. It's super effective. I forgot to say that. With me, I have Will. Guess what? How do you say hello in Alola when you have a cold? Alola. No. Alola Chew. And I have a cold, which is podcasting gold. I'm going to be sniffling, coughing, sneezing, all of it throughout this entire episode. Enjoy. Post-work. No, there will be none of that. Travis is also here. This is not quite a joke like I usually do when I'm introduced, but more of just a realization. Everyone, and I think us included, was saying... We're getting so much information about Pokemon Sun and Moon before it comes out. The day that game comes out, we're not going to know. We're not going to be surprised by anything. And here we are less than two weeks before the game comes out. And I'm thinking, I know like nothing about this game (laughs) other than the the Pokemon that were either announced or leaked. Like, I don't know anything about the really the the locations other than like the four islands. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about the story. I don't know very much about how the... the new the thing replacing gyms functions other than there's like totems involved i feel like there's a lot we don't know which is weird because we are all like we're gonna know everything well i think we were just not um giving or paying uh whatever to the depth of the the games achieve they're, they're always much deeper than people suspect yeah Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. I, I did not do that to give you an excuse to sing, so... <sighs> well, let's rope it anyway. <laughs> Here we are. Let's rope it in. We got a special episode for you guys today. If you saw the, the episode title, you would know that this episode has a special guest, and that guest is Griffin Malkoroy from polygon or from adventure zone or from the a hundred other things he does and so i sat down with him and we had a good 45 minute ish interview so if you are looking for that if that is why you are here not for our voices but for his voice which is understandable it is uh delightful i would check the episode info for the time that that interview starts that was recorded like a day earlier, so now we're recording this, and then I'll put it all together with with editing magic, and I'm not sure what exact time that will be, but when this episode's uploaded, just check the description if you're looking for that. Otherwise, we're just going to talk about Pokemon until we get to that point. The show today is just some news. We're going to talk about the 11th episode of Pokemon Generations. We're going to take a break. That's where the interview with Griffin will be. When we come back, we got some emails, and then we're going to do our Pokemon of the Week, which is picked by griffin and yeah i guess you know we've we've been getting a lot more new listeners recently because of the build-up to sun and moon what i just laid out is usually our our show format besides sometimes there's not an interview sometimes there is i feel like we haven't talked about who we are recently or why we're here or just like a refresher especially because of sun and moon coming out and maybe there are new listeners that are hearing our voices for the first time. They probably want to know maybe a little bit about that. I know when I listen to a new podcast, sometimes it's hard to keep track of everyone who's on or whose voice matches whose name. I'm just going to let you guys do like a quick minute about yourself and why you like Pokemon and why you're here. So let's start with Travis. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. sure. My name is <laughs> Travis. 
I've been playing Pokemon since red and blue, as is true for all of us. My interest in the game right now is mostly, you know, there's a point where I played competitively, so I still have that knowledge base in my head, although I'll be, I'll openly admit that my knowledge of the metagame isn't up to date, as that changes a lot as new games come out. But during Gen 5, I played a lot competitively, so I have that experience there. Um, but right now, my main interest in the games is just the single-player experience, playing it through, breeding Pokemon somewhat, um, and and trading and, and battling with friends, but mostly the, the single-player uh, game experience. I don't watch a lot of the anime. I haven't played the trading cards since I was a literal child. I'm, I'm a bit of a one-trick pony. <laughs> Will, what about you? Uh, I'm Will Anderson. I'm 43 years old. I've been playing Pokemon since a fateful encounter with Cosmo.com and Pokemon Yellow back in whatever, 98, 99, whatever year that was. And uh, I have dedicated my life to fitness and I only want strong Pokemon. And <laughs> I sound like a gym leader, don't I? I was going to say you sound like Candela uh, or whatever the Valor team leader is. All of my Pokemon are the strongest Pokemons. I still do competitive Pokemon. I occasionally go out to the different competitions at different levels and regionals and stuff like that. Used to play the TCG, but um, I focus on a different TCG now to keep my wallet uh, somewhat full of money, even though your money is no good in the bank. And it's true. It's true. I enjoy all aspects of Pokemon, probably have a more generalized appreciation than either of the two gentlemen here. I don't um, think that's true. I watch the cartoon, I play the video game, and uh, I disagree with Steve all the time. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, my, my name is SBJ, which is short for Steve Black Jr. And, uh, I am usually the, the one in the two verse one situations on this show. It's not our fault you just have the worst opinions possible about any given subject. I mean, you wouldn't feel so beat up if you weren't wrong all the time. You know, you say I'm wrong all the time, but I feel like I've predicted the most correct things throughout the series. No, 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 no. It's not a matter it's not a matter of your predictions. I don't care about what you whatever. You can sit there with your crystal ball and then in in like in like a, a two years when some listener tweets at us hey pokemon podcast in episode 35 you thought there would be a moon type that's kind of like fairy i guess so so you're right get on you steve and then you get your your rush of of self-importance no no no. i don't really care about that i care about when you say something about the present or the past of pokemon that's patently incorrect <laughs> And Will and I have to sit here looking like argumentative contrarians for a half an hour just to set the record straight. I want to point out that I didn't even get to explain myself and you guys are already at my throat. That's kind you... of the joke that I'm making. <laughs> you asked for it. That's I, what it is. I did. I did. I did. You know, if if I didn't be on the other end of the fence... You're a provocateur. Our, our, uh, our episodes might not be as... as as fun i think a lot i think a lot of people like like our debates whether whether i'm right or wrong or you guys are right or wrong it's not me if someone likes them (laughs) (laughs) i uh i have been playing pokemon since red and blue 
uh, since I was eight years old. So, you know, do the math. You'll figure out how old I am based off that. And I am a fan of just collecting the Pokemon and keeping those Pokemon as mostly memories and collections. I don't really care about IVs or EVs or breeding. That's that's not my forte. Uh, I'm no good at bat. I enjoy battling, but I am I am not a competitive type like Travis. He knows moves in and out, whereas I don't. Out of the three of us, I probably have the most Pokemon merchandise, and I probably spend the most money on Pokemon-related goods, because, uh, as Will said, money is no good in the bank, so uh, I am a big fan of of stuff like that. I also watch the anime from time to time, not as much as Will. I do enjoy the movies as bad as they are, uh, and I played the TCG competitively for two to three years and made Top Cut a couple times, so I feel like... At least in that aspect of Pokemon, I know what I'm doing. Is there any other avenues of Pokemon? I like a lot of the Pokemon spinoff games. I like Shuffle a lot. Uh, I know Will did as well. I think we all played Pokemon Go for a while. I'm still playing that from time to time. I know, pretty sure, Travis, you're still playing. Yeah, yeah I, I really like Pokemon Go. I, I play it nearly every day still. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually play Pokemon Picross every day still. I love that game. Sorry, well, uh, <laughs> Sorry, what, is that like the original DS game that came out? No, uh, the, like the, three universes ago. The the free to play one that came out a few months ago. That wasn't free wasn't, to play. It was free to start. I I have still there... not spent a cent on it, and I keep going. Wow, I, was there a was, maybe I'm just thinking because wasn't there a big period in the original DS's run where there were just a bunch of Picross games, like after the original Picross came out, there were a bunch of versions of it. I know there was Picross 3D or 3DS yeah. or whatever they called it. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> so th- that's that's who we are. There are there are if if Will and Travis cannot make it on, we have either Micah or Logan who are our quote unquote B team for the show and they're both very fantastic people. Uh, they're both really great. They also love different aspects of Pokemon. But yeah, that's kind of our our show. We have people on from time to time other than that. But uh, here here is your main cast of voices. And I do like the dynamic of not all of us are, you know, these competitive people or not all of us are these TG, TCG people or not all of us are these anime lovers. But I think that gives us the most avenues to go down in talking about Pokemon, because if you're coming into the show or you have been listening, we're more of a general Pokemon show where we just kind of talk about news, we talk about what's going on, uh, and you know, if it's a TCG heavy week or if it's a video game heavy week, I mean, leading up, it's been a Pokemon Sun and Moon heavy podcast, and prior to that, we talked about Pokemon Go week after week. So we're currently we're currently being assaulted, being in. It, attacked by pokemon generations week in and week out which we think is just going to be a thing that takes 15 minutes of the episode and then explodes into a wild discussion about the <laughs> philosophy of the pokemon universe that's kind of what we're into right now yeah yeah that'll that'll end in about seven weeks because i think there's only <laughs> seven episodes left but yeah that's our show we normally start in the, in the eye sh- of the storm <laughs> we normally start the show off off topic we like to do 15 minutes of just you know non-pokemon stuff but because we just did this intro uh which we probably won't do for another couple dozen episodes 
Let's just jump right in to Pokemon news. First bit of news here is Genesect codes are now available for North America, Europe, and Australia. The Genesect is level 100. It has no held item and knows the moves Technoblast, Magnet Bomb, Solar Beam, and Signal Beam. The codes that you pick up, which are at the respective stores in America, obviously that's going to be GameStop. But those codes will be able to be redeemed until February 28th. 2017 and they can be redeemed in pokemon x y omega ruby and alpha sapphire genesect is the 10th mythical pokemon being distributed for the pokemon 20th anniversary i think we have uh meloetta left and what's the last one? Oh yeah because they didn't do any for january that's it that's why there's only 11 so Genesect is number 10, Meloetta is next month from December 1st through the 24th, and that is going to be available through the Nintendo Network, so no GameStop needed for that. Yeah, Genesect is the last one that you need at, G- at GameStop, and uh, actually Pokemon did like a semi-official announcement that if you go to a GameStop and they tell you that they don't have any of the code cards, you can tell the staff to call the store support and they can get instructions on how to print out the codes on a receipt. They don't, so they they don't need to call trigger. anyone to like they can just print it. Well, if they don't know how to do it, oh, right? If okay, they claim right. that oh we don't have any code cards, you're out of luck. No. Can I speak to your Pokey manager, please? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you claim your codes. Don't let them tell you no. You have a right to a Genesect code. Yeah, the I, I will call Officer Jenny. <laughs> I feel like Travis is in his kitchen just yelling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's turned into a Pokemon. There, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Will. Are I, you done with those poppins yet? You started those an hour ago. <laughs> there is a. There was somebody who went to a GameStop, and the GameStop employee, from my understanding, and of course, take this with a grain of salt because it's the internet. The GameStop employee told them they would only give them a code. I think it was for Volcanion, because those were yeah. those were in code forms would only give them a code if they pre-ordered Sun and Moon. And so they emailed Pokemon Support, and Pokemon Support replied saying that stores are not allowed to apply a cost to any of the free distribution codes handed out. And even if they ran out of codes, all GameStop or all store employees will be able to print any amount of codes on a receipt for free to give to you so it's pretty much impossible that a store could run out of a code for Genesect or Keldeo or Shaman or any of that. And they're not allowed to hide those codes behind a, oh, you must pre-order Pokemon Sun and Moon or Gears of War or Call of Duty in order to get this code. Uh, they can't do that. So I know we've we've had that conversation like a year ago, but uh, of course there there's always GameStop's or sorry, there's always stores that uh, are require or that depend on those pre-order those pre-orders for you know whatever they need their sales numbers or whatever. But they're not allowed to do that when it comes to the Pokemon distribution stuff. So keep that in mind. Genesect is probably the only Pokemon I don't need to get because I got Genesect back when they did the black and white promotion. So I don't really see the need to get another Genesect, but. I don't know if you guys have yours. Well, yeah, I'm, I think I'm I always getting one. multiples. I think one of the distributions was a shiny Genesect, wasn't it? 
I think that's the one I have, yeah. Oh, nice. you're right. Mine might be shiny. Maybe I do want this. I just hate going into GameStop. <laughs> Didn't you used to work at GameStop? I did, yeah. It was terrible. Mm. <laughs> you I just told... need to find a Poke friend who will go in for you. Nah, nah. The one, the one GameStop I go to is... I've gone to it for the last couple codes they've done for the events, and I wouldn't say they know me, but they know that I come in for the code. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you because you just said, "Can you send in a pokey friend to do it for you?" And I, I just want you to know that the second those words exited your mouth and were firmly planted on the internet. The, the fertile internet ground that now there will be a business in like two and a half months that bills itself as the Uber for Pokemon where <laughs> it's some sort of sharing economy thing where people get Pokemon cards for you. Well, or Pokemon I, codes. All I have to say is Matt in the Eastern shore of Maryland goes to GameStop for me. He actually enjoys you have a, you have, you have like a posse. You have a poke courier. Yes, I do. A and then he like courier. He DMs me the codes on Twitter, and I'm like, Matt, you are the boss. You are awesome. Thank you so much. I'm in, I'm in the wrong market here. To go to a GameStop. There are no GameStops in D.C. I, I don't want to do have to cross the border. Zero. Zero, as, as it should be. Let's <laughs> see what he gets out of this transaction. He gets the pleasure of having helped me out, and we play games on my Xbox when it's not completely busted. All right. Seems a little too altruistic for me. Yeah. Seems like there's something missing. Want to know a fun fact about Genesect? Yeah. When it came out in Gen 5, its signature move, Technoblast, had base power 85. That's the move that changes its type depending on what drive chip is held by Genesect. So it can be ice or fire, or electric, etc. And because it was 85, no one used it because you would just use... If you were making a set, you would just use Ice Beam. Like, it's handy in single player, theoretically, because you have the versatility of just having the Pokemon know the one move, and then you go to another battle knowing that you need more Ice-type coverage, so then you put the appropriate chip on Genesect. But competitively, no one would use it, because you would just rather teach it Flamethrower or Ice Beam, etc. So then they, in Gen 6, they increased its base power to 120, so it's a 120 base power, 100% accurate special attacking move, which is pretty incredible. That's a very, very strong move. And yet still no, people use Genesect competitively, but no one uses Technoblast competitively because that's how strong of a benefit you get out of held items that no one wants to sacrifice the ability to put, for example, a Choice Scarf on Genesect. Just oh. to make a 120 base power fire attack or whatever. The drive has to be a held item? Yep. Hmm. So in, in the TCG, Genesect was competitive in the Verizian Genesect deck. And yeah. don't get me wrong, like Genesect is competitive. Its stats are amazing. Its move pool is good, but just no one uses Technoblast. Nah. No one uses its signature move. Right. There uh, is a Pokemon Go update, as there always is. But there were some server-side changes that have been applied to Pokemon Go to make common Pokemon appear less frequently. Areas in which Rattata, Pidgey, and Zubat were commonly found uh, now will also yield other Pokemon. 
Uh, additionally, Rattata and Pidgey can no longer be hatched from newly obtained eggs. So if you already have an egg uh, before the update, they probably still could have uh, those Pokemon. 5k eggs can now hatch into Eevee, which was previously only available in 10k eggs. And the distance needed to obtain candy with a Rattata, Pidgey, or Eevee as a buddy Pokemon remains unchanged. These changes are now live and do not require an update. I never really had a Rattata and Pidgey problem. Like, yeah, Pidgey appeared a lot. I have more like I more more so have a Drowsy and Zubat problem. Zubat they they changed as well. They also yeah, decreased yeah. the spawn rate of Zubat. Drowsy is everywhere in cities like north of the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> um, that for some reason they have Drowsy programmed to be. Well, so it spawns more often in urban areas generally. And then it's also programmed to have an increased spawn rate based on the absolute value of latitude. So if you're near the equator, it doesn't spawn very rapidly. But if you are far north or far south of the equator, the farther north or south you are of the equator, the more frequently you get drowsy spawns. So those of us who live in the cold places... As you and I do, we get a lot of drowsy. So it's a weird quirk of our geography. But, and I haven't been downtown in Grand Rapids where I live recently. So I haven't seen if the changes to spawn rate have significantly changed what Pokemon I see in an urban area. But I can just say I've been playing just in my residential area over the past few days. And I've caught a lot of Pokemon that I don't typically see. I've seen a few Execute, which are pretty rare in my area. I've seen a lot more Eevee spawning, which is very cool. And what is the other thing I saw that I was really surprised by? A lot. Well, I've seen a lot more Tauros, so, so it's cool that there is a lot more variety. And the egg changes are nice, because I'm tired of hatching Rattata. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, that, I think that's great. I know. Is it 10k eggs? that They're the best, right? It's... Correct. That is the three, five, the, and no, two, two five, and, five ten. and ten. Yeah, I remember because it was so frustrating to get a ten k egg and then just have it be Eevee. Because I feel like, at least for my area, Eevee was. Yeah, I mean, you'd see like two or three Eevees a day, whereas a ten k egg can get you like a Snorlax or something good. Right, and it's the original egg times. I don't know if you already mentioned this, so feel free to cut it out if you did. But the original egg. Hatching lengths are based on the in-game data for the Pokemon. They're in the same way as Pokemon Go. In in the main series games, the amount of distance you have to travel in steps for different Pokemon, they're separated into different tiers of, of lengths of how long it takes for those eggs to hatch. Some Pokemon, like Eevee, for instance, take longer to hatch than others. And so Pokemon Go replicated that by assigning the the same Pokemon that take a long time to hatch in the main series game, the 10k eggs, the ones in the middle, the 5k, and then the easiest to hatch as the 2k. And for most instances, it was a good system, but specifically for Eevee, that's a Pokemon that a lot of people like to have, but it's not that rare of a Pokemon, so it didn't really make sense for Pokemon Go to have it in the 10k slot, so they moved it down. Good to know. Last last bit of Pokemon news here is Pokemon Go is going to be getting daily bonuses. 
Uh, this came from Niantic's blog. Catching at least one Pokemon a day will grant the user 500 experience. They will also receive 600 Stardust for doing so. And if a player adds one Pokemon to their collection for a week straight, they will receive a 2,000 point bonus and 2,400 Stardust. And yeah, I, I guess that, that that's what it breaks down to. I'm sure there's a little bit more than that, but... I don't believe this feature is live or this feature has a release date yet. But knowing knowing Niantic, normally when they announce something like that, they usually roll it out within a week or two. Yeah, and that'll help people who have been slow on the game to get caught up, get higher levels. A little bit of motivation to get back into it. It's cool that they keep they keep adding stuff to the game, and I think that's what we really championed months ago when people were were very angry at the changes they were making and especially the the footstep change and we kind of voiced that if they want this game to last more than two to three months they need to take a step back and address some bigger issues at hand and i think they've kind of been hitting that with now rolling out these updates and the game has really gotten better and better since taking a couple steps back months ago. I don't know if it's true for the two of you, but I still see an incredible amount of people playing this game. I will sneak, I will be by areas with a lot of pokey stops and I'll see someone walking by and I'll do the creepy little peek at their phone. And almost all of the time they are also coming to spin the, the pokey stops. I realize that is the opposite of a scientific survey of the number of people playing this game. But it is interesting to me that although the fanaticism and near universal adoption of the game seems to have died down, that the that the current player base is still sizable, even though the hype is gone. Yeah, well, with the with the Halloween update, it was it made it back up to number two in the iTunes App Store as the most most profiting games, or however they say that, highest game, grossing, highest grossing games that make a lot of money. <laughs> it seems that they they still have a pretty good player base. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It's not like a it's not like a Candy Crush or something where you can just find other games that like that scratch that itch like the only other game like pokemon go is ingress no one's really been able to copy or replicate success only because i think it it it's a hard game to rip off (laughs) well until they come out with harry potter go and then they're gonna split the customer base what do you catch in harry potter go is that real or was that just uh Wands? I you guys haven't heard about that at all? I, I no. saw it this morning, but I didn't think it was real. I just thought it was like some fan-made thing. Uh, I know nothing I about this. I don't know if it's real or not, but it's, see, I thought it was pretty real. I, I didn't look into it. I just saw... <laughs> it's a I just, sliding scale of from, existence. From what it's I saw... Like a medieval <laughs> understanding of how things... It's, it's more real than other ideas. From what I saw, Travis, it was you would catch you would catch or or spell or whatever you would do the the mythical creatures that exist in the Harry Potter world. Uh, so it's a uh, mythical beasts and where to find them or whatever. Yep, exactly. Yeah, tie, yeah. tie into that movie. I mean, if it exists or if it doesn't exist, it's still a hard game to replicate. Like Ingress didn't just happen overnight. It took 
a lot of Google Map data, and that game existed for what, like five, four or five years before Pokemon Go came out, and Pokemon Go obviously used those that those same data points and that same architecture and everything. The article that I found that's talking about Harry Potter Go spells Niantic wrong. <laughs> Perfect. It's Niantic. I think a lot of people though forget that like they forget that Ingress also besides Ingress existing to make money, Ingress existed to fill out Google sidewalks for more walking paths and it also existed to take your location data. Like so even if Ingress wasn't making money hand over fist like Pokemon Go, it got two other valuable services from you. Well, one, I guess, because you walking and your location data makes the Google sidewalks, but I'm not sure what of Pokemon Go is being used. I'm sure your location data is the big one that's being pulled from that. It's pretty amazing how low my bar is for giving away that information. Just put some put some cute little monsters on a screen. And I'm an I'm an open book. Oh, I, I'm I'm the same way. It's like you want my data, have my data here. I'm a 43 year old dude lives in Washington D.C. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> These are my favorite films. This is how you can properly advertise to me. Go go ahead. Yep. And yet they still get the advertising wrong. That's the saddest thing. That's true. Oh. <laughs> uh, speaking of advertising, do you want to talk about Pokemon Generations? Sure. I thought that was a decent transition. I mean, they're advertising yeah. for, you know, they're themselves. It's just fan service, right? It's certainly something this it's, week. Yep. We're on episode 11 titled The New World with the beginnings of the, un- the new universe laid out before him. Cyrus and Team Galactic face o- faces extreme opposition, but aid arrivals in an unusual form. So this episode opens with Team Galactic and Cyrus standing on a platform. I'm not sure what this exact location is. Spear Pillar. Spear Pillar. It's the top of Mount Coronet, I believe. Okay. I haven't uh, played. Is it? I think you're right. I haven't played that generation in a while, so I can't remember Sinnoh that well. We get Dialga and Palkia coming out of these time warps with really thin bungee cord chains around them oh sweet heavens above the red chain the red chain they were crafted from the gems from the lake spirits don't you know pokemons nope clearly not <laughs> i just know it looked bad in animation they could have made it good they could have made the chains a bit bigger okay 101 Everything was great until the Fire Nation attacked. Oh, stop with you, our memes. <laughs> That's how the Pokemon world began. Uh, after, after they come out of the time portals, you just get a quick view of Team Galactic's headquarters of a bunch of people. It's almost like they're trying to land a rocket on the moon. You got, like, Mission Control over here watching this unfold. Again, I don't remember Gen 4 that well. Do you ever go to Team Galactic's base? Is that something you see in the game? Uh, cut out this part, but I can look it up. I think you do. I feel like you go to everyone else's base. Well, I, well, Team Flare didn't have a base. They just kind of existed in the power plant. 
They did have a base. Oh, no, they did at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. I'm just remembering. Yeah, Team Galactic has a base of operations in Veilstone. Okay. We're unwrapping this together. These two Pokemon can't get out of the uh, chains. We have a lot. That's the the point of the chains. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. We have a lot of people just looking around, being happy that it seems that Cyrus knows what he's doing at this point. Yeah, it's Sailor Mars and Sailor Jupiter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cyrus does this... uh, (laughs) Does this little um, monologue that you know he wants to create a new world, and we can we can discuss what that exactly means here. But as he's doing that, you know, a storm comes in, wind blows, cracks around. You know, things are starting to go south. If you know anything about how these are signs that things are going bad, uh, then we see Cynthia and her Garchomp run up. And she tells Cyrus to, you know, stop doing what he's doing. And we'll stop here. And he doesn't. <laughs> and yeah, and he doesn't. Who would have guessed? It's like a common theme in these episodes. Is this what happens in the game too? Yes and no. Cynthia is there in Platinum. The way it works is the player character and whatever you named Barry. So the player and your rival face off against... Mars and Jupiter in a double battle, you beat them, and then Cyrus, using the red chains, summons Dialga and Palkia and constrains them, and then right before he's about to execute his plan, Giratina comes in and sucks him into the distortion world, as we're about to see, and then Cynthia comes and tells the player, hey, you need to, like, jump into that portal and, <laughs> and, and fix things. And then kind of sort of guides you through it, and you do, and then you fix things. Um, so yes and no, in that she is there in at least the platinum version of the game. Well, yes. To but be she, very clear that this this only happens in the platinum version, right? In the, in it's the other quite versions, different. You only get Dialga, or you only get Palkia. And there's no distortioning world of worlds. There is worlds. no distortion world. There is no Giratina. And yeah, what I was going to say was I uh, actually watched a video of the this moment from the actual Pokemon Platinum game. And it's they don't they haven't changed a much except much except that they took out the player character completely. Right. Yeah, I thought that's Which why I, that's why I asked the Cynthia yeah. question, because like aren't you supposed to be there? Yeah. yeah, it's strange. They've had the player characters of all the other games in the places where the player was, but yeah, in this it seems like they figured since Cynthia has to run up anyway, why have two characters that are basically doing the same thing and maybe they didn't want to show a battle with the Alga and Palkia because most players probably caught them but that would seem weird and anticlimactic or not not caught them because in Platinum you end up catching Giratina and then later catching Dialga and Palkia but I'm guessing it was like a a decision not to include the player because of because then the player faced off against Cyrus in the distortion world and then catches Giratina, and maybe that would like stretch things out too much, so maybe it was cut for time, and then just had Cynthia sort of play both roles. Yeah, creative license. <laughs> it might not be historically accurate, but it's a decent portrayal of the events. Right, right. Uh, you get to the, what Travis said, you get to the coolest part here, which is Giratina showing up, and how Giratina shows up is pretty rad. Yeah, that's also exactly what happens in the game, too, though. 
Oh really? Shadowy. Yeah. Shadowy and I never played yeah. Platinum. I just played the. I just played Pearl when it first came out, but. Yeah, well, I, get... I recommend you can you can find game footage on YouTube, but turn off the volume because what I found is that the PokeTubers who have done Let's Plays of Pokemon Platinum have really foul mouths. Let's put it that way to be nice. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Joe Bean 420 here with another Let's Play of Pokemon Platinum. We're going to with the and Dialga. That's pretty accurate. So Giratina sludges up here out of the ground, out of coming from the distortion world. And Cyrus commands the attack on Giratina, and, and Giratina just jumps up, sludgy and all, and uh, breaks those chains right off. Shadow ball. Threw a shadow ball at him. Cyrus looking in shock. Oh yeah, I like how they just like fly away into a DNA strand, and then we go back to... They like, peace out, they're done, and then... <laughs> Team Galactic just starts freaking out at this point. Uh, well, every- the whole thing, too, is like Cyrus gives you a speech about DNA when you're in the distortion world and about how like the distortion world and the real world are two separate strands of DNA interlocked and requiring of each other. So that's why he they animated that portion of it. Oh, like OK. That. They just didn't want to put on like a fancy show before they pieced out. Nope. Like they- probably some from column A, some from column B. <laughs> Like they wanted no part of Giratina or this. No revenge. Yeah, no revenge on Cyrus for capturing. They were just, you know, see you guys later. Yeah, Giratina is that one person who shows up to the party and then five minutes later everybody's like, Oh yeah, I forgot the babysitter said she had to be home at eleven, so bye. <laughs> is that why everyone leaves very quickly after I arrive? Sorry, Travis. Giratina then like kind of bulks up and uh, engulfs Cyrus in one foul swoop of sludge. I liked... So as Cyrus is about to get eaten alive here, the two Sailor Moon characters are are frightened in suspense of what's about to happen, and then they pan to Cynthia, and her reaction was, I'm going to put two fists up in case... Like a boxing match is about to start. Because <laughs> that's how tough Cynthia is, dude. Right. She will punch Giratina in the face. <laughs> like, she looks more ready for battle than Garchomp is at this point. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, Giratina just sucks up Cyrus and gets taken into the distortion world. And he likes it. Yeah, he likes it. Who would have guessed? Uh, I... Some Pokemon Generation episodes are are on the shorter side of four minutes, and some are on the longer side of five minutes. And that extra minute actually, I think, does matter a lot in in what we've seen in the the past eleven episodes. This is on the shorter side of four minutes, and really, when when we're breaking it down, not a lot happens. You forgot an incredibly important part at the end of this video, where. Saturn keeps yelling, Mr. Cyrus! Mr. Cyrus! At uh, get on the Hydra's back levels of repetition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after he gets engulfed, we go back to Team Galactic's lair where we're seeing everyone panic. Then it goes back to Cyrus waking up in front of Garatina. Garatina just looking boss like ever. Uh, Cyrus just kind of being explaining what's happening of you know he's in the distortion world and he looks around and the distortion world is actually would you say his vision of what he wanted 
Yeah, hmm. that's the realization he comes to. Right. It's, it's a world without Pokemon. It's a world without spirit. And that's what his dream was. Was it really a world without Pokemon? I thought it was just a world of just... Well, the way he puts it is a world with no spirit. And in some ways, Pokemon are a representation of the spirit of the world. So, hand in hand. Okay. Yeah, and he's, he's very satisfied of where he's at. Uh, all of Team Galactic, what tra- Travis... Uh, recreated of yelling where Cyrus is. We get this quick audio of, uh, I think he says, don't find me. Don't go looking. Yeah, something like that. And Don't go chasing waterfalls is what he says. And the the episode ends. Uh, my overall thoughts is I, I have no complaints, I guess. I think the episode tells exactly what it needs to tell. They do their fan service for Cynthia, and I know some people just absolutely love Cynthia. They do some their... people in quotes. <laughs> uh, you know, they 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 don't give a lot of attention on Cyrus, but the attention they do give to Cyrus is okay. Like this is your character. This is who you are. Summed up in you know thirty seconds, and you're really not more complicated than than the screen time they gave you, and then. They, you know, gave the grunts a little time to shine, and they're exactly what you expect, I guess. Like, they didn't, there was no Courtney, or there was no Mike for Tim, or whatever the Team Aqua guy was. Matt, I think. Matt, yeah. There was really none of that, and I don't remember if, I don't remember if Diamond, Pearl, or Platinum had stronger admin characters. Other than, other than pretty, just Cyrus, pretty, I mean, pretty average, and I mean, comparable to the other admins who are typically not given a lot of exploration time with their characters, with the exception of things like how they dove a little deeper into them with the Delta episode and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Like, like in most instances, the admins don't get a lot of attention, other than that. I mean, they're just happy enough to be named. <laughs> Right, like like in in Kanto and Johto, there are there are no admins, right? It's just Team Rocket right. grunts, and I guess there's that guy with the weird blue hair that, and there's the lift key guy, right? The guy that holds the lift key. But other than that, it's mostly Giovanni, and I feel like Generation Four is just mostly Cyrus at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? So for all the episodes that you said, well, this didn't really tell me anything more about the story or any of the background that they promised in in releasing these. This one told you absolutely nothing more about the story. It was an almost exact retelling of the footage you could just watch by playing the game. Yes, but it it has a pretty satisfying conclusion. I was not satisfied, nor concluded. Really? I was pretty satisfied with Cyrus being happy. Like, if, if, if any of the bad guys gets what they want, Cyrus gets what he wants. Well, that's debatable. And, and that's kind of that's cool. I mean, he says he got what he wanted, but was it that really what he wanted, or did he just want to destroy the world? Did he just want to see the world burn, much like I do every day? <laughs> I, I don't know if I can answer that. I think it's interesting, though. I do think it's interesting that it makes Cyrus look like an extremely selfish person. Obviously, oh, obviously he's selfish, right? He wants this new vision of a world, but he makes it to the distortion world, looks around, and is completely satisfied, and all of these followers that were loyal to him don't 
Like, he's selfish enough to not want to bring them with him, which I guess is fine, especially since he's looking for a world with, you know, no soul and no heart and whatever. But then to flip that coin, you look at all his followers and they're freaking out that he's gone and now they don't know what to do, even though they should know what to do if they were following his vision, right? They just... Or, or are they the followers that are just completely lost without their master? I think it's a cult where, yes, they are completely lost without someone to tell them what to do. Can I tell, and, and Steve, feel free to just cut this out if you don't think it's interesting. Can I tell a completely unrelated uh, story, unrelated to Pokemon, but related thematically to this? Was it when you signed up for a cult and <laughs> your master disappeared? Because that's is that it, is it, sounds like a good story. Does it have something to do with Jamestown? Uh, n- no, but it's 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 kind. It's not really even cult. Well, it it gets there. But so um, I'll just tell it, and you can you can decide if you want to cut it. It sounds out, like but... it's already going to be good. So tell it. So the, have you heard of the Great Disappointment? No. So um, this this preacher William Miller started saying. Okay, I've really dug into the Bible, and I know the day that Jesus is going. I I know when the second coming is going to—I know when the promise of the second coming is going to be fulfilled. It's going to be on October 22nd, 1844. Students of history might know that the world didn't, in fact, end on October 22nd, 1844, but, like, a bunch of people gathered— in one place to celebrate because they they believe this guy and ever and they're like a, a pretty large portion of people who are who are ready for it to happen and then october the 22nd 1844 rolled around and nothing visible happened and so most people just kind of went on their way with their entire worldviews challenged but some people stuck around and thought, well, if the end of the world, if, if the second coming didn't ex- happen, what did happen? Because William Miller was certainly right. So what was it that happened around us? And they came to the idea that Jesus started going through the book of life and deciding if each person and going through each person, and I might get the theology of this wrong, but going name by name through the book of life saying who is going to be let into heaven and who is not and that process started on october the 22nd 1844 but it just takes him a really long time and he's still doing that to this day and that doctrine became some pretty close to mainstream christian denominations that seventh day adventists come out of that tradition which is kind of wild because we because like to think that this this large movement in basically the Christian mainstream came out of this, an interpretation out of this great disappointment event is really fascinating to me. Saying nothing about what what Seventh Day Adventists believe, I'm I'm passing no judgments here, but I think it's interesting. Relating that story back to Team Galactic, what what happen what happens to all Team Galactic? Are they done? It's different in the games because you go in and actively 
defeat Cyrus and then... But how do you defeat a man who's already been taken to the distortion world? That's a more philosophical question. (laughs) We're getting real deep here. Like it's just pouring salt on the wound at that point. Now, literally, if Giratina had not left a portal open after taking Cyrus to the distortion world, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But because the portal was left open, you have to go into the distortion world and then kick Cyrus's butt and capture Giratina and make it your own. But then does does Cyrus stay there or does he come back? Uh, I don't remember. Probably stays there. I don't know. I don't remember either, because I had more of an interaction with Diamond than I did with Platinum. Also, yeah, have, I, have I mentioned how offensive that PokeTuber was? I could only watch so much. I uh, He started saying all these things about Seventh-day Adventists that I could just not abide by. The It's almost like the the generations... Okay, so going back to Will's point of why I'm satisfied with this episode, even though it doesn't tell that much... It's almost like the game version gives me more questions than the the episode. Because in the episode, Cyrus gets captured, Cyrus looks around, Cyrus is satisfied because it fits what his initial vi- vision was, so he tells the people not to look for him, so he can, you know, live his soulless life. End of story. Where in the game, from what... I re- from what I very barely remember and from what you guys have told me, Cyrus gets captured, you go in, you battle him, which then opens up a bunch of questions of why is Cyrus battling? Why does he care at this point? It also shows that he still has his Pokemon in this distortion world, which there's no sign of in the episode, which would maybe ruin the episode because again he he's he's content and does he come back out and does does he leave because if you capture Garatina then does that close the distortion world does that just leave Cyrus there like there's just so many more questions that the 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 game leaves open whereas the episode almost closes and answers all those questions and I looked it up he does stay in the distortion world okay so yeah, it just doesn't make sense of like why you would go in and like offer to battle him. Like if I was Cyrus, I would be like, "Here are my Pokeballs. Take them. I don't need them. Leave me alone. I'm happy here." <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. It's just something to think about, I guess. Maybe I'm overthinking it like always. My opinion on the episode is that it's kind of a disappointment because Generation 4 is Pokémon at I would say it's most metaphysical with it's specifically the description of those three, well, four, if you count Arceus. Arceus, never know which one is the correct pronunciation. Key, I think it's I Arceus. Believe, yeah, it's the one with the, no, Arceus, the one with Arceus. the key. Yeah. The metaphysics of that creation story have always been interesting to me, and I've said before on the show, I while I get really into the lore of some other game franchises, I've never really had Pokemon lore capture me in that same way but gen 4 is the closest of any games creation like origin story you know all the games sort of have their own um their own pantheon of legendaries and gen 4s was the closest to getting me really invested in pokemon lore so it was 
you know, I was, I was sort of looking forward to this because I was like, you know, I don't really connect with all the other ones unless they do something interesting emotionally or about the characters because I don't really care too much about the lore of these ones. And I'm like, all right, here we are, Gen 4. We're talking about Dialga, Pelki, and Giratina. But it it's just showing them do the things I've seen them do. So the one time I might have been impressed by additional information about these Pokemon, I don't get it. So it's kind of, uh, I guess, a slap in the face. I mean, they could, the the next one could be Arceus focused. I would, uh, it would be really weird if they decided to skip that Pokemon out of uh, these eighteen episodes. Uh, I ha- I have a suspicion that they opened Gen Four with the Chansey episode. They're closing it yep. with Dialga, Palkia, and Giratina, and we will be in Gen Five at the end of this week. I think Will's probably right because what? How many episodes do you have? Well, maybe not because there's six episodes left. Well, uh, seven, 12, 13, seven episodes 14. left. Seven okay, episodes, so maybe, two generations. Maybe I, I. The the Arceus movie does do a pretty good job at laying that out, though. To be fair, yeah, that movie is not the worst. It has very weak parts, but uh, you heard it here first. It's a it's a a poster quote. It's a box quote. <laughs> not the worst. Steve not, Black Jr. Not the worst. Two out of five. If somebody said, "Hey, let's watch the Arceus movie together." I'll make popcorn. I would probably say yes. If somebody was like, eh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> if somebody was like, hey, let's watch the Keldeo movie, I would be like, I'm deleting your phone number from my from my phone. Don't don't text me. Arsh. Because the Keldeo movie is really bad. Speaking of bad, actually speaking of good, because it's the opposite of bad. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break. When we come back, I will be putting the interview uh, with Griffin in. Uh, it is very Pokemon heavy. I do want to say that there we don't talk about any spoilers for Sun and Moon. Uh, we talk about like his Nuz Nuzlocke run, run Nuz Nuzlocke run words. It is we, a difficult thing to say. We talk about his Nuzlocke run. We talk about his time at Polygon. We talk about how he has this podcasting empire. And yeah, so it should be very enjoyable. Uh, there are no spoilers for Sun and Moon, so nothing to worry about there. Uh, so, and then when we get back from that, uh, we're going to do just a couple emails, Pokemon of the week, and then we're going to wrap up. So we will be right back. And we are back from our break. I have Griffin Malkaroy here. Did Hi. I say your name wrong? No, you did a great job. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You are Polygon? Is, is that your first and foremost? You say, hey, I'm Griffin from Polygon? Is It depends on who I'm talking to, right? Like, um, if, I'm, if I'm talking to a, a person who knows things about games or is in the games industry, that's, that is how I say it. I don't know, man. I don't really subscribe to labels, but I, I do work at Polygon. Yes, that is my full time job. Uh, that's where I get my insurance from. So I guess you could say that's my full time job. All right. You are one of 17 McElroy's. How many people are? are... There's 39 McElroy's. All right. Um, and pe- most folks only know about uh, about like four or five of them. Uh, so I don't want to give away the, the mystery. But if you take the first letter in each of our names, it tells you where the... <laughs> The, the the treasure's buried so it's sort of an arg that we have going on 
Okay. Uh, yeah. No, there's three. I have two brothers, Justin and Travis, and we do uh, my brother, my brother and me. And then our with our dad, we do Adventure Zone. And then uh, with my wife, Rachel, I do Rose Buddies. We, there's a lot of there are a lot of macros and we all do a bunch of different shows. You have like this podcast empire underneath you. Yeah. And above and above me. <laughs> it's it's closing in. It's surrounding me and drowning me. For our listeners, like our our past interviews, we're gonna we're gonna probably start with Pokemon and kind of maybe move off that because, like we just said, Griffin does a million things, and then we might, and then eventually we'll move back and end with Pokemon. So hopefully you enjoy that. If somehow Griffin brought you here, we do have uh, older interviews with Xavier Woods from WWE, Dan Reichert from Giant Bomb, and Gaijin Hunter, who is the Monster Hunter Extraordinaire. I love that 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 dude like help me with monster hunter so much i didn't know they've been on the show before i owe them a great debt yeah he i learned is... how to use i learned how to use bows because of gaijin hunter <laughs> he's phenomenal like his video if it wasn't for his videos i wouldn't be playing monster hunter i don't think god monster hunter generations came out this year didn't it yeah yeah that's god. good it was a while god that was a good game all right yes <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about now that's not what we're talking about we're talking about let's talk about some pokemon let's get that okay. out of the way easy question super easy what is your favorite pokemon that's an that's not an easy question at all. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. The hard hitting um, ones here. I mean, what are we talking like what 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 Pokémon do I like to like have on my team when I play a game or like what aesthetically is my favorite? Like what's the what's the question? <sighs> Maybe it's more more like if there was a plushie or a shirt, like that's that's the oh, jam Jesus. you're going to yeah, pick up. Yeah, I mean up. that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um I mean, if we're talking, I have a Pokemon that like every game, I somehow almost always end up with a, either a Nidto King or a Nidto Queen on my team. Uh, I, that's but that's purely utilitarian, right? Like I just like the they're powerful as hell and they have a great like ground poison covers a lot of different stuff and they can learn all kinds of weird TMs like Surf. Uh, like there's no reason why they should be able to learn Surf and Ice Beam and stuff like that, but they can. So like that. That's my jam. I actually have a shirt with Ditto on it. Like I own one. All right. Um, and that was my nickname when I was a little kid was Ditto. Uh, that's not a joke. Like that, that really was what I was called <laughs> when I was like a little, little boy. And but I never used Ditto because like, I don't know. I, that's not my in, in game. I don't think he has much functionality. I don't know. I think. This is a really difficult question. I don't know why you thought like putting this down for what do folks usually say here? Oh man. I mean, they there's usually what's your, like, what's your favorite Pokemon, Steve? I'm sure you've talked about this. Yeah, I and and I usually start off that question saying my favorite Pokemon always changes. Oh, that's garbage. That's a garbage answer. Like right now, since you asked me, I would say my favorite Pokemon is probably like Ho Oh. Uh, okay. And that well, was a legend going with a legendary feels like cheating to me. Yeah, but yeah, like six months ago, it definitely wasn't Ho-Oh. I think the only th- reason that brought Ho-Oh back, back to the forefront was the recent Generation episode. And then there's, on PokemonCenter.com, there's a Pikachu in a Ho-Oh outfit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Ho-Oh's legit. I forgot this Pokemon exists. But I don't know. I like, like, Chandelure and Golduck and Farfetch. Like, those are... Chandelure's good, yeah. I like, uh, like, the whole Ghastly trio as well. I find something very appealing about that. I don't know, Steve. I don't. I can I just say I don't have one. I yeah. I guess that's I fair. Had a, I had a plushie with Vulpix on it, and that was fine. But it's not. That's not my favorite. Yeah, Vulpix isn't that good. No. 
I mean, um, the Vulpix I'm, is okay. I don't want to upset any Vulpix lovers. And, and God knows there's plenty of them out there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, All right. I'll, 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 for now, I'll just say Ditto. I like Maybe. Ditto style. You know what? Ditto's a great answer because Ditto's literally every Pokemon. Right. This is kind of if a cop Anybody out, who though. says anything differently is a dummy. <laughs> What about what about like series is is so you said that you know as a as a kid you were called Ditto so did you start with Red and Blue and did you grow up with the series was oh, there it wasn't that wasn't Ditto came from I think uh, High and Lois is an old like uh, uh, like newspaper strip a comic strip uh, and the kid there was called Ditto and I guess I looked like them as a baby that's where it came from it was not based on it was not based on Pokemon. But yeah, I mean, I started, I started, I, I, we bought, we bought blue and red, uh, me and Justin, uh, my, my oldest brother, we bought, uh, I got blue, he got red basically the month they came out in what, 98. Yep. And yeah, I've been playing ever since. Is there a favorite out of that? It's so hard to say. I, I definitely spent the most time playing gold and silver. Um, silver was my version. And, and so that was probably my favorite because it was two games. Like, I'll never forget like when you the first time I beat silver and it was like, and now here's all this stuff from red and blue. I was like blown away. Oh yeah. And then heart gold soul silver. I love, like it was such a great remake with like all the stuff I love from those games. Plus you got the poker Walker, which I adored um, and still love to this, to this day. So that's probably that's X and Y are really great. And I think X and Y like revitalized the series f- finally. Um, and it's probably, I mean, I'm finishing up a Nuzlocke run of Pokemon Y right now, and so, like, I don't usually go back and replay them, so that's rare for me. So I really like X and Y, but I think Heart Gold Soul Silver is, like, the best version of my favorite one. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have to agree 100%. I think Heart Gold Soul Silver is, like, the fullest, best bang for your buck game, and it just has a lot of things going right. But X and Y is a great starting point for anyone, and I think it does a lot of things right that past pokemon games were kind of lacking on yeah although i'm cautious i'm cautiously optimistic about sun and moon yeah yeah i'm I'm very excited where by the time this is up we're probably 10 10 days out you mentioned your nuzlocke that yes th- is that the second time you're going through x and y then yeah so i i reviewed x and y when it first came out and like loved it because x and y like it's been out for a few years now and so i kind of forget and it's it's good that i'm replaying it right before sun and moon came out uh, it comes out um, because you forget like how how just how much that game refreshed the series and like go back and play black two and white two if you need a refresher of how much like the the 3d sprites like was such a huge huge thing and i don't know it just has so much charm um the online functionality is so deep and like there's still so many people using it which is crazy um so yeah it's my second second time going through it although i haven't played it in a few years like i said so like i it my memory of the game is not proving to be especially helpful um <laughs> yeah I've, I've man i've goofed up so many times what what was the initial start for the nuzlocke run i guess i guess that's two questions one have you done a nuzlocke run before and two like what made it was it sun and moon that made you start um, it was, uh, so I, my like job at Polygon is like, uh, original video series stuff like, um, uh, Monster Factory and, um, Griffith's Amiibo Corner and Carboys, which I do with Nick now, um, stuff like that is like kind of my bread and butter. So I was just looking for like another original series idea that I could do that would be a little bit easier. Like, 
Uh, Monster Factory is a series I do in which we make these customized characters and play this game forever. And sometimes I like mod the game and like it takes a really, really long time to just like shoot those videos and then editing them takes like a couple of days. Like it's a really laborious process. So I was looking for something a little bit easier to put together. And I had been watching Nuzlocke's. Uh, I watched, uh, what did I watch? Pro Jared's blind uh, Pokemon wide playthrough, which was, uh, it, I, I almost want to do a blind run of sun and moon. Cause like playing those games and not knowing anything about them while having these permadeath rules is like bizarre and hysterical. Uh, and I watched one from uh, uh, Peanut Butter Gamer also. And and so, no, I'd never done one before, but it, it seemed like it would be a fun video series idea. Also, like, just speaking from a, uh, like, viewership side of things, like, there's a huge audience for Pokemon. When we write Pokemon stories, they they perform really well. So, like, it's, it's when, you're, when you're making video content or really any kind of content on the internet, like, you pay attention to stuff like that. And so, fortunately, this thing that I love there are lots and lots and lots of people who love that thing too um and and so like the the stars kind of aligned and it seemed like an easy fit and uh yeah it's been a it has been a blast to do this series that's awesome except for all the times that my pokemon die right right i get man i so i've been um i'm having a baby in december and i'm taking a month of paternity leave when that happens and so i'm trying to finish this series and have these episodes go up while i'm gone and i've had a few uh, deaths in the Nuzlocke run that have like rattled me to my core. It is such a, <laughs> it's such a horrific way to play this game. Follow up there. Uh, so as you've been, as you've been doing your Nuzlocke run, you've already mentioned that you've had some difficulties and stuff. Were there anything was there anything unlucky or certain deaths or anything in general that made those experience experiences make you want to change mechanics or remove mechanics or add mechanics from from the game or from like my own like imposed rules from the i would say from the game like because you're playing in such a different way it makes you think about the game itself differently on okay here's one thing i'll say and it's not like a hardship thing i think that switch mode should be removed from the game entirely i think you should have to play on set mode because when you take away the consideration of it's not it is a it's an immensely unfair advantage that the player gets to know what their opponent is going to send in and then get a chance to counter it as opposed to set mode where you just got to like got to take it like whoever they send out you then have to you always have to make this value judgment a few times per battle of what's more valuable to me leaving this not ideal pokemon in or taking a hit on a, a more ideal pokemon to me that has i i am enjoying the game in ways i never have before i'm also hating the game in ways i never have before but i am enjoying because of set mode like i i think i'm only going to play a future pokemon games in set mode cuz it is such a it is so much more um challenging and like cerebrally rewarding and like playing switch mode now just seems like I don't know. At that point, it's just like playing rock, paper, scissors, where you know what your opponent is about to right. throw out. <laughs> it's not like in the anime, the the gym leader's not shouting to Ash which which Pokemon they're about to send yeah. out next. Yeah, here comes a... Well, I mean, that's a that's not a great example, because it, like any gym, it's like, you know I'm about to send another ice type out, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. Look around you. This place is an igloo. You know it's going to be ice type, and that's it, right? Right. 
Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, there's the, there's unfair stuff, right? Like I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get a nasty critical hit and then that'll kill my Pokemon. But like that stuff I think is only frustrating in the context of Nuzlocke runs, but Nuzlocke doing this Nuzlocke run and having to play in set mode, which I've never really done before has like really, really unlocked something in this game for me. Hmm. I don't know that permadeath is something I would want included in the game by its very nature, although it certainly like raises the stakes and is also very exciting. But I think just like playing on set mode is like, that's a jam, man. When, when <laughs> sun and moon comes out, play it in set mode. You will, you will, you will be frustrated at it from time to time, but it makes the game so much better because X and Y are easy. Oh yeah. X and Y is like, that's the easiest ones probably. Um, and so if I had done just like a straight up Nuzlocke run, I don't know. All my Pokemon would be like level 75 and I'd just be like annihilating. Mm-hmm. Compared to other Nuzlocke runs that, that are on the internet, yours is a little bit more refreshing, I think. And maybe that's because yours isn't like everything. It's not. Yeah. For, for listeners who haven't seen it, your Nuzlocke runs are cut and edited in the, in the point where you're pretty much re- removing like level Everything. grinding and stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I, I haven't actually done that much level grinding. Um, but what I've removed is like, you know, exploring or most gyms. Like I show myself walking into a gym and then I show myself like at the gym leader because like there's nothing interesting. The, the same for like the team flare areas. Like there's nothing interesting about watching me like beat up 30 sneezels in a row. Like there, there are parts of the game that are really, really repetitive. Um, I guess that's one thing that I want removed from the game is like those segments where it's like there's one segment in Pokemon Y where you go to the Team Flare secret lab and you fight a bunch of poison and dark type Pokemon and then you meet the final guy and then you have to go to their second secret lab and fight a bunch of poison and dark type Pokemon like the same ones over and over again. You have to fight like the the Lysander. Is yeah. the, the big bad in Pokemon Y. You have to b- fight him three times in the span of like an hour. It's ridiculous. So like stuff like that, like there's there's parts of the game that don't respect the player's time exactly. And so I try to like, I cut that stuff out. I cut a lot of exploration stuff out. And I just mainly try to stick to important events like catch a new Pokemon or evolving them or, you know, something like that. So like out of every, I'll, I'll usually play for like an hour to two hours and then from that, get like a 20-minute episode. So I cut a lot of stuff out. In in your 20-minute episodes, you seem to include some stuff that other players might ignore, like the player customization, the shopping, the Pokemon, a me. Yeah. Are those things that you actually enjoy? Is that like another oh aspect God. of Pokemon that you like? <laughs> Steve, what a, what a <laughs> silly question. I Like my favorite game probably of the last... 10 years is animal crossing new leaf so much so that like since this update came out i actually haven't played it because i'm terrified of it like i've got a i've got a like i've got a nursery to prepare for a new human being i can't put another 400 hours (laughs) into like finding new road decals that i can then like lay out in my town like I can't. I don't have time to do that. So, like, customization is my jam in any video game. It's probably also the impetus for Monster Factory, which is very much based around, like, character customization. Like, I have always liked games, and it's why I like Pokemon, even before you could change your shirt and pants. I like games where you can take ownership of of the thing. Pokemon's great about that because, like, no two teams are, are alike. No two strategies are alike. Pokemon are 
inherently different and strategies are different. And like, I love that. I love that idea. And then to also layer on this, like, I love changing what my character looks like. Like my, my wife can attest to this when I get a new game, I just got Skyrim special edition, which I've played the hell out of Skyrim already, but I'll spend like forever making my character. Cause it's so important. Like this is going to be my, this is going to be my road dog for <laughs> however many hours I want them to look awesome. Um, and so like, yeah, that I, I love that element of, of X and Y. Uh, and I know it's in sun and moon and, and, and I'm hoping it's, uh, equally, if not more robust there. I don't know if you played Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, but was that, if you did, was that like a knockdown? It was about right. Cause there wasn't, there wasn't any, right. Was there customization? In no, Omega? they removed it. No. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I liked Omega, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. I think I liked it more while I was playing it. Cause it was a good game, but like, it, I don't think it has aged quite as well for me. There was a point where I was trying to decide between that and X and Y for this Nuzlocke run. And like, I can't imagine going back and playing those games again. Cause it, it yeah, the, the removal of that is like not that big a deal, I guess. Um, but yeah, that game didn't really excite me as much. How are you seeing the reception of the Nuzlocke run? Are, are people getting upset because you're making bad decisions or is the community yeah. like behind you because you know, you have it, messed up. I'm sure people are connected to the the Pokemon that you have caught and you are protecting throughout the journey. Yes, there. I mean, there's the 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 reaction has been uh, good. Uh, the, I, a, a lot of people are very invested in it, and that's really really cool. Um, pretty much every time I publish an episode, people are like, "If Miss Beekman dies, we riot." Um, uh, people are very, very concerned for the welfare of my Pokemon. Uh, this series has also taught me that I don't know, uh, that much about Pokemon. Cause there's a, I mean, there's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of like being good at this game. And I think that the layer I kind of came into this from was like, I know that grass beats water. Right. Like you, right. You, if, if you play this game and all you know are the types and the, the, the type strengths and weaknesses, that's enough to beat it. Um, it really is. Uh, but there's a lot of other stuff that if you're going to play it uh, for for Nuzlocke, there's a lot of other stuff that you need to know. And then, like, if you want to play it competitively, there's a trillion things you need to know. Um, so, like, I've never really gotten into too deep into uh getting really good at Pokemon, right? Like I've never, uh, I've never gotten into like EV IV stuff. Uh, I've never, I've never played competitively like at all. And so like doing this series, a, a really good example of this is I have, uh, there's a, there's this Azumarill with a uh, huge power, I think is the ability, which gives it a, a bunch of, uh, attack, but I never, I never taught that Pokemon any, uh, uh, like regular attack moves. Physical, um, like physical no, moves, you only no have physical, it's special. No physical moves, only special moves. And like, I didn't even realize it. I didn't even think about it. But I mean, that Pokemon would be a, a tank, would be a killer if only it had <laughs> the right types of moves. So like stuff like that is like the ball I feel like I keep dropping from time to time. And so I've learned a lot more about like how, how to be competent at this game a lot of that feedback is just like a lot of Monday morning Pokemon training. Um, like a lot of people saying, well, like, well, well I would have switched them out to do. And it's like, well, okay, Pope, po, but he's nerfed. I don't, I don't actually think I'm that good at Pokemon. 
um, which I don't think undercuts sort of my my brand of being somebody who really, really loves this franchise. Right. Because I don't I don't think you need to be at a certain step of the Pokemon mastery ladder to really um, to really like the thing, Uh, because really, I think you just just need a little bit to get by. Although, like, I don't know, I kind of want to get into the competitive side of things. Is it because of the Nuzlocke? Is that what kind of ticked it off? Well, I mean, and also just like I love these games. I love them. I I desperately love them. And there's this whole world that I haven't unlocked yet. And and to me, that seems like this is maybe a bit of a clumsy comparison. But to me, it seems like the way I've been playing Pokemon would be like, do you play Destiny? Yeah, yeah. Big everybody Destiny plays, fan. Everybody plays Destiny. It, to me, it would be like finishing the story of Destiny, like finishing the last story mission and be like, well, I beat Destiny. I'm done. No, like... That's the first like 2% of the time that you spend with the game. And so like there's this whole other world um, beyond that where, you know, you get into, uh, you know, breeding for ideal IV values or I'm probably even not even using the right vernacular. No, no, that was right. <laughs> but like that's the that's the and then, and then like, you know, coming up with new strategies for 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 competitive like. That all seems really cool to me. I've just never I've never dipped my toe in that water, but maybe sun and moon will be the 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 time to do it i although i don't know i yeah. don't think i can be a 30 year old man with a newborn baby and be like now's the time where i'm gonna get super into competitive <laughs> pokemon play well they, they've definitely made it easier over the years I, I know that a lot of people praised x and y for being some of the easiest to get into competitive but i, I can only imagine that sun and moon would be even easier maybe yeah i don't know so i'm gonna confess something i um i'm kind of blissfully in the dark about sun and moon i played the demo so like i know what's going on there and i've watched all the the trailers so i guess i'm not that in the dark but i'm not uh because i i am sort of in prep mode for this baby i don't really have time to review it so i'm not it's like the first pokemon game i haven't reviewed since like jesus man platinum oh man uh yeah so like uh it's it's I've I've allowed myself to kind of not know everything about it going into it, so I, there can be a little bit more surprise there. I'm so excited to play the game for for that reason. So I don't know I don't know how competitive the multiplayer side of Sun and Moon is going to be because I don't know a whole lot about it. Do you like the Do you like the collecting aspect of Pokemon, or is it the battling that kind of? Um, yeah, no, the the collecting aspect of it is uh is my jam. I caught them all in Gen One and Gen Two. And then I think that was it. I don't think I've caught them all ever since. Uh, Cause now the prospect of doing that is like, there's some cr- like to catch the, some of the event Pokemon and like the middle generation games is like, you have to like ship your 3ds to a GameStop on the moon so that they can like, <laughs> right. It's like, there's no, there, you, you have to like plug in the GBA card reader attachment and like swipe the, president's driver's license like there's crazy crazy steps that you have to take in order to to get some of those pokemon uh so i've i i do like the collecting aspect of it but to me i mean it's not even the fighting aspect of it it's just like the i guess it's part of it but like the team building part of it of like putting together a a a unit is like really uh that's that's the part i find really satisfying and trying to work around that while doing a nuzlocke run where you can only catch certain pokemon is like that's where the rubber really meets the road. That's another thing I really like about playing games that way. Yeah, I, re- I remember in 
uh, episode 13 where you got to the snowy area and you accidentally killed the Sneasel and then the next one was Deli Bird. And you were... You were... I'm, now hurt, I'm now hurting in the worst way. I don't have... At the... Uh, no spoilers, but I'm uh, at Victory Road now. And I don't have an Ice-type Pokemon. And so, like... I'm not I I don't think I'm going to beat the game. Like if I'm being honest, I don't think I'm going to beat the game because the the dragon type member of the elite 4 is going to is going to annihilate me. I unless I like grind all my pokemon to level 100, but like as a rule I kind of haven't been overleveling cuz that feels cheap to me. Right. Um I don't know that I have it in the tank and I've watched so many like I know so many of these runs die at the elite four because not being able to heal in battle and then also have to do these five fights in a row is like man really really rough <laughs> yeah i didn't really think about that it's not like you can go well can i know in the original games you can go back to the pokemon center i haven't played an x and y in, in like two years but could you can i don't you, think so i don't think so either i mean it's not that big a deal right like i don't need there i i'm gonna sell everything i own basically i keep spending all my money on clothes which is unfortunate um, but I'll, you know, I can stock up on items and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm worried about it. Like, I don't think it's a lock and I really want to finish. Like, I really, really, really want to finish this game. Um, but I like the drag. I just don't think I'm going to get past the dragon. Like, I'm genuinely worried about the dragon uh, trainer of the Elite Four. I think they're going to destroy me. Well, you have your Azum, uh, Azumarill, a little Azumarill, which is a fairy and fairy is effective against dragon. I don't know if you know, you know, Steve, I don't want to comment on any I'm about four episodes ahead now, so I don't want to comment on which Pokemon may or may not still be a member of Team Team Yiffin uh, at this time. OK, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll I'm going to plead the fifth here and not comment on the fates of particular. Pokemon. Sure. We don't want to spoil anything here. <laughs> right. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. We do a Pokemon inspired D&D show uh, called oh, Mythical. Cool. And instead of, you know, instead of fighting, you know, goblins and, and, and stuff, uh, our DM will give us a Pokemon, but he, he does it in a cool way where he just kind of describes the monster like he would in a normal D and D. And so it's kind of like this, this, Oh, like which Pokemon who's, is he? Describing? Who's that Pokemon? Right. Yeah. So that, that's a great twist. You though, run a extremely successful and extremely popular D and D show called Adventure Zone. Yeah, uh, we've been doing the Adventure Zone for uh, about two years now, and yeah, it's uh, it's my it's probably my favorite thing I do. I love that show very very much because we uh, we work really hard on it, and um, I'm really I'm really happy with like how the story has turned out. Although I want to like, I'm so excited for it to be over so we can do stuff like a Pokemon. Like so many people are doing so many cool role playing games now. <laughs> What do you, so what's the game? That you, is it D&D that you guys play? Yeah, it's 5th edition. Okay. okay. Yeah, so for me, it was, it was the first time I've ever played D&D. So it was yeah. great for our listeners who also may, might not have played D&D for me to be the voice of like, what does this mean? What is dexterity? What is, yeah. can I do this here? Okay, I got to roll a dice. So uh, that was a really good experience. And we've, we've broken it up into just smaller seasons. So like season one is 10 episodes and season two is is six episodes. And it's more of like a not like Game of Thrones, but kind of like Game of Thrones where <laughs> where I, with, but with Pokemon in it. I mean, I mean that in the aspect of Game of Thrones does that thing where it jumps to like Jon Snow for an episode. And it's like, you're not going to get anything but Jon Snow this episode. But that doesn't yeah, sure. mean that it's not related to the rest of the story. 
So like for for us, season two is, hey, these are two old characters, two new characters. It's a new plot. And at the end, without any spoilers, you see how that ties back to season yeah. one. That's a man. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. So, but but uh, we've been playing for a couple of years now, fifth edition also, and probably probably wrapping up this campaign in the next few months or so. Uh, and your hopefully. dad's on that. Yeah, that's the one we do with our dad. He plays our cleric, uh, and I DM it um, for the for the boys. My DM was very adamant that I asked this question, but how how long do you spend writing the plot of the adventure and and how does that turn out just for your your family? Yeah, I spend a long time. Um, for the last arc that we finished last month, my notes on that arc alone was like, uh, like twelve thousand words. Like it was a lot of it was a lot of stuff. Um, and it's hard. It's a hard thing to DMing is a tough job because like you have to prep a lot of stuff and try to tell your story while also factoring in that you have other people that want to want to have a good time, but also like aren't necessarily as, uh, aren't necessarily prioritizing following that story. Right. And so like just throwing out stuff constantly, constantly, constantly is, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough process. I probably spend, uh, for each arc, uh, I don't know a lot. I spend a long time. I, I spend maybe, uh, an hour or two prepping for each individual episode is maybe the best I could estimate. Um, and then there's other stuff like editing that show takes a really long time. I do music for that show, which also takes a really long time. Um, it's a, it's a tough process. I, I feel for your DM. I feel for all DMs out there. My, my DM's a little bit lucky that he, he doesn't have to do the editing or, or, or music adding. I handle all that. Oh, nice. Do you do behind the curtain? Do you do everything? I mean, you do all these, you do car boys, you do my, my brother and me, you do stoners with phil kohler like you do all these are you also the editor afterwards some for some of them uh, i am for um bim bam and adventure zone uh carboys is more nick's uh baby he does the the editing on that uh and that was sort of his idea nick does the or phil does the editing on uh stoners i i i, I do i do the editing on a lot of the stuff i love editing man it's like that's like that's my jam there's so many ways to like make a goof work in editing especially in video editing, like the, some of the, the monster factories I've spent like way too long doing edits on those just to like add some dumb visual goof into it. Um, so, so yeah, I do, I, I do some of it, not all of it though. Kind of bouncing, bouncing around here though. So, you know, you just mentioned that you do stuff with, with Nick at Polygon, with Phil at Polygon. What got you into just gaming journalism in general and where you are now? So, um, I, started with uh justin my oldest brother who also works at polygon um we he started writing at our local paper and in uh we grew up in huntington west virginia uh and he he started writing at our local paper and then started writing about games for our local paper and then uh, i sort of joined him there at our local paper and we had a column and a uh, a blog for the local paper about video games um, which was, which was neat. Um, and then he, I'm trying to remember what other sort of, I think there was like another step, but then Justin went to work at joystick, uh, at, at AOL. Uh, and then pretty soon after that, um, they were looking for a weekend editor, um, somebody to just cover the site on, on Saturdays and Sundays and keep the posts going and keep the website alive. 
Um, and I was just like a college student back then. And so I had free weekends. And so I, uh, applied for the job and got the job. And then, man, a lot of other stuff happened after that. I kind of bounced around joystick. I was a full-time writer there for a while. And then I was reviews editor for a little bit. And then, uh, me and Justin and, uh, Chris and Arthur from, who was also a joystick at the time, uh, left and picked up a few other folks and started Polygon. Um, and now Polygon has been going for what, three, four years. We just had a birthday three yeah. or four years. Cause you guys are part of the verge or. Yeah. We started out at the verge, uh, while we sort of put the site together. Uh, and then here, here we are. I was a news <laughs> editor at Polygon for a while, which like is weird to think about now. Cause like all I, I, I don't write news at all anymore. I only do video stuff. Um, so yeah, that was sort of my path, path into where I am now. So for the, for the video stuff, like we, we've already mentioned like Carboys and Monster Factory and, and a couple of the other shows you do, how, how is that decided? Because maybe on paper, it doesn't seem like it could be this long lasting series. My, my personal example is Carboys. I stumbled upon that and I watched one and I was like, oh, this is really good. And then I saw that you had, you know, like a dozen episodes and I was like, how, yeah. how did, how did they make it last sometimes this it long? Sometimes it sneaks up. Um, we're actually getting in the position where we have too many that are going and like, it's not, it, I think we're hitting a point where it's n- untenable. Um, but like Carboys, I thought was just going to be a single video. Like when Nick and I recorded the first episode, we thought, let's just play this game and do like a basic overview of it. Um, but then it, Nick was like, we can do more. And after episode two, we were like, oh, yeah, this is a series. Meanwhile, we have other stuff we, we've we tried. Nick, it's all Nick and I. Nick and I are very bad about, like, starting new pilots that just die, uh, which is intimidating to say because we just launched, we just uh, recorded a new pilot for a thing that's going to go up in the next week or so. Uh, so I shouldn't be talking smack about our our. Uh, bad habit of dropping series, but like we had a, a series that I wanted to do called Speed Rundown, where we tried to master speed runs of different games. And our pilot episode was Gone Home, and I did good. I had like the number four time for 100% speed run of Gone Home, uh, but then we never did another one because it took me a really long time to like master to it and to like well not even master it and also it was like gone home so it's not like i mean it's surprisingly difficult it, to be competitive in any game uh speed run wise like you have to put some work into it um even if it's not a twitchy experience but yeah we have that we had another one called playstation mobile treasures where th- when they shut down the playstation mobile store nick just went in and spent like 50 dollars, and with that 50 dollars bought like 120 games and they are some of them are so rough, um, but we did like two episodes of that and it died. So like nobody, there's not really an approval process. We just kind of do it. When, and then if, if people watch it, then we're good. When you say it, it dies, is it, is it just people aren't watching as expected or is it just I think maybe a decent lack amount, of... It's more us, right? Like I think a, a, a decent amount of people watch that speed rundown uh, video because I thought it was really funny because I got so frustrated playing Gone Home, which is so like... Chill. Yeah, it's a chill, chill game. Um, but like, it was hard to make. It was really hard to make. So like, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't thrive. Is there is there a point where you feel like you've you've bitten off more than you can chew? Like when I originally messaged you to ask if you could be on, I was I I just kept thinking, I don't know how he does everything you do. Yeah. And now like, oh, like, can you make an hour for me? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I'm 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 happy to do this. It's it's um no, I feel like I can almost always sort of batten on the hatches and like get something done, which is like something I've kind of had to do. Um, although I, I have a certain amount of anxiety about the fact that like I'm spinning a lot of plates right now and am, uh, about to have a, a, a baby and babies like specialized in running through and just like knocking all the plates off all the sticks upon which they spin. Um, the plates, not the babies. That right. was confusing, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. so like, I don't, I, I've never really gotten in a position where like, I felt like I, I've bitten off more than I can chew. Um, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think I'll, I'll, I'll probably get there someday and have to like reevaluate like what, what stuff I can keep doing and what stuff has to get put by the wayside. Um, but till then just kind of grit, grit my teeth and like just making as much stuff as I possibly can while I still can. I just got a couple more questions, I guess. Here, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I was hoping I, I would get like, what failures, failures have you had? But you kind of followed that up right after with your, the, the series stuff. Yeah. Other than you know everything you do, do you have any advice for people that maybe want to get into podcasting or to get into YouTube or to get into video making? I feel like it's such a competitive field, right? And a lot of people want to do it. It is. It's a really competitive field. Like I can, I, I, and I always get really uncomfortable when people who have like, uh, found success in this very competitive field be like, well, listen, let me tell you how, because like there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of luck or happenstance, I guess you could call it that like helped get me to, to where I am. And certainly a lot of privilege that has helped get me to where I am. That is, it's, you know, you, you can't, guarantee that right like you can't replicate that so like with that in mind like it's hard for me to say like well just work super super hard because there are people who are working super super hard and still you know haven't haven't made it i think a big like secret to the success of the things that i've made that i'm um that not only have done really well but that i'm really proud of is like really look at what's out there and see what people want or see what things are out there that you like, that you think you could do well, or even that you think you could do better than the people who are doing it right now. And, and make that like an honest evaluation. Cause if it's not like, then the whole thing is, is pointless, but like, don't like kid yourself into thinking like, well, I'll just do this thing that a billion other people are doing um, and that there's not much demand for because there's a billion people doing it. Right. And so it's, it is a saturated market, but like my thing's going to be the thing that really blows them all away. Cause that might be true one out of a trillion times. Um, but I, I feel like if you like look at the things that are out there and you think about what you're passionate about, like there's gotta be some cross section of a need that needs to be filled by something that you can do. And then once you find that thing, you just work at it very, 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 very hard. I, I, I think like starting out, I was not good at my job when I was weekend editor, right? Like I was in journalism school, but, um, I made mistakes like all the time because it was just me out there alone on the weekends. Right. So I would screw, I would screw up constantly. Uh, but just like hanging in there and like, there was a, 
this is back in the AOL days when you were paid by the post, not by the hour. It was like actually how much content you put out, you got paid for. And so as like a starving college student, I wrote as much as I, I wrote up to the maximum amount of stories that joystick would, that, that, that AOL would pay you for. Sure. Um, and I just did that every month. And it was like, it was literally working to feed myself, which I think is uh, a, another way to kind of guarantee that you'll put your back into it. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel genu- I, you can probably tell, like I get genuinely uncomfortable saying like, well, here's how to replicate right. this success. Cause there's, there, there's, I'm, I'll be the first one to admit, like there's a ton of factors that just like I had, um, going, going for me that you, you may or may not be able to replicate. Um, but just, I, I think there's something universal about like finding a thing out there that nobody's doing or nobody's doing well, that you have the unique ability to, to do. And then once you found that like weak point, you just, you just work your ass off at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get, I've gotten that like question. Poke, this Pokemon podcast is a good example. Like, I don't know what the ecosystem of Pokemon podcast is. But it's a good Pokemon podcast and you you work really hard at it and then it's it's doing really well. Yeah. And and I tell people because they were like, how did you get started? And I was and I said, like, the reason this podcast exists was because there was no Pokemon podcast at the time. Yeah. Like there were there were a couple and some were like some were not putting out episodes every week and just some were on hiatus and some just, you know, wrapped up shop and gone home. And that was like the right time, right place situation. And Man, those episodes, you know, six years ago when I started are god awful, but <laughs> Yeah. But you stick with it and you work out like and it's also like a unique sort of uh theme for a podcast. Like when we when we launched My Brother, My Brother and Me, we were like thinking about what that podcast was gonna be. Cause that was like the first thing that we did. We we were doing that after we were at Joystick, but that was like the first thing we did that like kind of took off and was like really successful. Um and I don't think it would have worked. I don't think it would have been successful. It was just like you know, let's just have the three of us just sitting around talking about stuff, just like just like three white dudes talking about stuff because there's no need for that. There's a billion podcasts like that. Right. And, and so like saying like, well, what if it's an advice show and we have these certain structures in it, I think really, really helped. And that's like an example of what I'm talking about. Like if you you, you ask specifically about getting into podcasting. Like finding a cool idea for a podcast that like nobody's doing and nobody's doing well. Don't just do like me and my buddy have conversations and I bet it's going to be really funny because it might be, but like it's going to be so much harder for the, for that podcast to, to, to perform really well. Right. And like something like a Twitch streamer, it's like, I'm just going to play these games and sit in front of my camera and stream every single night. And eventually I'll get caught up. And I, I hate being the person that says, what makes that so different than everyone else sitting in front of their camera just streaming the same games? Yeah. Yeah. I like unless you like pick a very, very specific game or or genre. Um, yeah, I don't do any Twitch streaming, unfortunately, so I don't know a whole lot about how to find success on that particular platform. <laughs> um, I know how to find viewing success. And that is you turn the comments off just like as quickly as you possibly can. Totally. I uh I think I'm out of questions now here. Let me see. All right, I did it. I beat you, Steve. You did it. I you, win. You got through. Uh oh, I I did miss this one. Uh but going back to Sun and Moon. Yes. Is you is your are your brothers picking it up or is that something you've done with them or are you are you the only one that has, you know, plowed through and stuck with Pokémon? No. Um I mean, I'm definitely the most into it. Uh I think they both played X and Y. I don't know if they 
finished it. And then, like I said, Justin picked up Red way back in the day. But I don't think he got that into it. For me, I was, let's see, I was 11 when Red and Blue came out. And so, like, of course, all of my friends were playing it. Right. So, like, I had no no lack of people to play it with. But I don't think I don't think that was ever uh, a big... I don't think we ever played it together that that much. Um, they'll probably play it, though, right? Like, it's a big major 3ds release yeah yeah you get the you get the stereotypical like oh people still play pokemon that's a kid's game and you're like "Ah, it sells a lot of copies (laughs) i don't think they're all kids playing this no i I would say it's actually maybe mostly adults i would be curious to see what the pokemon go effect on sun and moon is right yeah uh because there was there was the month of july where 3ds's were up a hundred and some percent in sales yeah uh, I think Pokemon has done a pretty good job, you know, with their 20th anniversary this year and just kind of keeping that momentum going. And then we get that Switchmon. Hopefully. You know that's going to pop off. I, I'm Not. actually more excited for Monster Hunter on Switch. Oh, but, yeah, that'll be good, too. Damn. Yeah, that's secretly what I'm excited for. But, yeah, no, Pokemon Sun Moon is, by the time people are listening to this, probably, you know, 10 days. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you, Griffin. Cool. Well, we, thank you for having me. We made it on. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, so you can find all of my Polygon stuff on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Polygon. Um, for, uh, that's where you can find the Nuzlocke run that I do um, that I you'll probably enjoy um, unless you get angry about bad decisions. And then you can find all the podcasts uh, that I do and our uh, whole extended family does at McElroyShows.com which is kind of weird and sad that we have to have a website, but there's like, there really are like 15 <laughs> of those podcasts. So if you go there, you can find links to like all the different podcasts and, uh, and videos and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. I actually, I missed one question. So when we get back after our break, we do a Pokemon of the week where we, you know, try to break down a Pokemon, give people fun facts, maybe give them a move set. Do you want to recommend a Pokemon that we tackle? Well, if I say Ditto again, that'll be bad, right? Because like, yeah. Ditto's just kind of got the one. He he's got the one move, so it'd be hard to uh, strategize around that. Hmm. How about? Uh, how about Swoobat? Swoobat? Yeah. I don't think we've ever done Swoobat. I like Swoobat. It's got the nose. Yep, it's got the nose. Swoobat was like, oh, they're going to do sound type Pokemon. Oh, nope. No, they're not. No, they're not. Well, what about, ooh, what about Gulpin, though? Gulpin's good. Definitely one of those two. All right. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Swoobat. Okay. First choice. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Griffin, for being on. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. When we get back, we will do our Pokemon of the Week, which will be Swoobat. And we are back from our break. We haven't done emails in a while, and I do... I'm a fan of the emails. I like them. If you it have, makes it easy for us. If you have 
any questions, comments, concerns, if you think we got something wrong, which is pretty often, if you think we, if you want us to talk about something specific that we might have missed, you can email us at sbj at pkmncast.com or if you can't remember that, just go to pokemonpodcast.com and click the contact button at the top of the page and that'll give you an email form there too. So or just put it in a message in a bottle. It, we won't get it, but there'll be something poetic about the experience. <laughs> so two ways to email sbj at pkmncast.com Send in your emails. Uh, you know, if 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 you know, sixty days have come and gone, and I haven't tackled your email. It's probably not relevant anymore. And my apologies. These our our recent episodes have been two hours long, so I don't want to make them longer with emails. Even though I like emails, but hey, what we do what we can here. I uh, I do read every single email, uh, and I do love them coming in. So don't hesitate to email us. Uh, this one is from Julian. They write in and say, Hey, what's your favorite Pokemon move? And do you think Pokemon Go is a real Pokemon game? Uh, I hope you respond because my favorite move is Flare Bit. Fa- flare Blitz. Oh, gosh. Although Flare Bits is an interesting possibility. <laughs> uh, thank you. Also, Travis is the best. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm not, not going to disagree. It might be the first time anyone said that, but hey, I'll take it. And that is from Julian. So, favorite Pokemon move. Uh, let's get to that second. Do you think Pokemon Go is a real Pokemon game? It depends on how you define real Pokemon game. It all depends on what is is. <laughs> what makes a chair a oh, chair? Please, please stop. Is um, a hot dog a sandwich? Would you stop? No. <laughs> go back. Get out. <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, I would say Pokemon Go is a real Pokemon game. I would, I would say, say it's a real Pokemon game. I would not say it's a main series game. I would say that it is a bona fide Pokemon product that is not in the main series of of Pokemon games. I would I would say it's Pokemon a game that I like a lot. I would say Pokemon Shuffle is a real Pokemon game. A good Pokemon game in fact. Yes, I would say Pokemon game is not a Monster Hunter game, but it is Pokemon Go is not a Monster Hunter game, but it is assuredly a Pokemon game. Yeah, I think Pokemon Pinball might be the best Pokemon game. <laughs> it's which one? The the first one or the second one? They're both pretty good. They're both pretty good, yeah. You're not wrong. They're both pretty good. Pokemon, I mean, the default there is Pokemon Snap being very adored and loved. And that's a good game. Pokemon Puzzle League is my jam. That game is really good. I don't, what's the gameplay on that? Because I've never played that. Pokemon. Go ahead, Travis. Really? Is that Tetris? Puzzle League League is so great. I I don't have friends, so. Puzzle League's not Tetris. It's more. Dr. Mario? No, because Dr. Mario is more of a puzzle game. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> Ironically. It's more of a puzzle game than the game that has puzzle in its title. Yeah, Puzzle League is just like think of five colors and you have to match those colors either horizontally or vertically, but you can only switch two colors at a time and they have to be next to each other. It's not like Shuffle where you can switch a Charizard and a Vulpix and they're on the other side of the map. 
It's you have to switch these two that are next to each other. And there's no in shuffle when you switch the two, if it doesn't match, it switches back. In Puzzle League, it just switches. So you can set up for combos. It's a high octane rapid fire puzzle experience. Right. And then when you when you when you get a combo, like if you match four and the ones that drop below it match up again and then those match up. If you're doing two player which is the the normal of you're always versing somebody, it would then create like trash that would fall on their side and they would have to match something touching the trash to turn the trash back into normal blocks so they can start matching those. That sounds really hard. Not fun at all. And like the board is slowly rising, so you always have stuff to match. And so as soon as somebody's board hits the top, just like in Tetris, they lose. It's super good. It's really good. Uh, Will writes in. No, 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 no. We didn't say our favorite Pokemon move. Oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't say our favorite Pokemon move. My fault. Travis, what's your favorite Pokemon move? Interesting. I don't really think too much about what my favorite move is because I have such a definite list of favorite Pokemon. But giving it a a second of thought, I would say I've narrowed it down between two. I really like Nuzzle because it's Pokemon. It's a Pokemon. It's a move that not a lot of Pokemon get. It's basically only the Pikachu analogs of each generation that can learn it. And it's like a thunder wave on a stick. It's a 100% accuracy electric type move that deals that has very low base power, but is guaranteed to paralyze the target. So it's just like a better thunder wave in almost all instances. And it's cool that that better thunder wave is um, balanced by giving it to Pokemon that aren't typically that great. So that's one of mine. What are you going to say? Well, this is the second week in a row. You've said it's like thunder wave on a stick. What does on a stick mean? Because that is not an expression I've ever heard. I think like a, like a corn dog. That phrase originates in trading card games where you have uh, it's typically where to use magic terminology. It's like if a creature has a has an effect that it's like when you play this creature, deal two damage to an opponent's creature. If there was already a sorcery card that simply said deal two damage to a target creature, you could describe that first creature as a that sorcery spell on a stick because it does the act of the sorcery spell and is also a creature. So I've sort of adopted that terminology for Pokemon to say that Nuzzle is like Thunderwave on a stick because it's th- it does everything Thunderwave does and has an additional effect like the typical effect of dealing damage uh-huh people use it in hearthstone a lot because hearthstone is a simpler game than most tcgs so one of the only effects and that a creature can have in hearthstone is a battle cry effect which is when you play this minion deal this effect so like fire elemental is a six mana six five battle cry deal three damage to or i think it's just deal three damage i think you could do it to face if you wanted so six mana six five Deal three damage could be described as a dark bomb on a stick because it has dark bombs effect of two mana deal three damage attached to a six five minion for an additional four mana. Well, I'm glad to know that since I just installed Hearthstone. It is a fun game. It is a game, all right. And then my other favorite move is gravity. 
because it's one of those moves that has so many effects that everyone kind of forgets at least one of them. It's not really good enough to actually be competitively viable, but just good enough to make you think, hmm, can I make a team around this, around the increased accuracy or rather decreased evasion of my opponents that gravity creates? Is this going to be good enough for me to be successful with? The answer is no, but it's fun enough to do that experiment, so I really like gravity. I really like soak. No mm, one that's a cool move. ever uses it, but I think it's cool. Uh, people use soak sometimes if they're if they're trying to be tricky. Tricky, tricky. Trying what, to be cute. What about you, Well, Favorite move? Oh, it's so obvious. My favorite move is Oblivion Wing because I just want to see the destruction of everything. Strangely <laughs> enough, it's a flying type move. All right. You like that talent flame? Uh, well, Oblivion Wing can only be learned yeah. by Evel Tall, but sure, yeah. I do love talent flame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will writes in, not this Will. Hey, SBJ, Will, and Travis, on the last episode, Will said, I assumedly joking, that he wanted to know about certain types of circles, squares, pentagrams, etc. were. That sounded like an interesting problem, though, so I decided to work it out. You can blame him all on this. I doubt that any of you will care, but I have them all saved in an Excel spreadsheet so I can throw them up on Google Docs if you want to see the data. There are some interesting things I found out. Perfect circles where each type is super effective against the next and resists the last only exist through seven types. After seven types, every type in a circle is super effective against the next, but it it's mixed as whether it's neutral, resistance, weak, or immune to the previous type. One type of perfect circle is fairy, fighting, rock, fire, grass, ground, poison, back to fairy. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. C- circles which each type are super effective against the next and neutral to the previous only exist at three types. They represent every three types of circles that aren't perfect. The highest number of types in a circle is 16. One of them is bug, dark, ghost, psychic, poison, grass, water, rock, fire, steel, fairy, fighting, ice, ground, (laughs) electric, flying, back to bug. That's almost every type. That's really cool. (laughs) A lot of the longer circles have smaller ones in them. Since normal isn't super effective against anything, and dragon is only super effective against itself, those don't participate in any of the circles. Mm. All of the 16 types contain bug, dark, ghost, psychic, poison. There's no relationship between the number of types, uh, the number of types a type is super effective against, only the number of circles it participates in. Fighting with 2,349 circles and ground with 2,306 circles have the most types that are effective against, that they're effective against. But at five, with grass, at five, but with grass, with only three super effective types, they participate in the most circles at 2,445. Ghost participate. To, to explain this, we'll have to talk about alternate universes. So when we say <laughs> 1.5 times eight presses, Ghost participates in the fewest circles at 833 followed close by electric in 854. Uh, And then he just goes and talks about the perfect types of circles. So for a perfect circle, if there are three types, there are four perfect circles. If there are four types, there are three perfect circles, five types, three perfect circles, six types, one perfect circle, seven types, 
four perfect circles, and then total amount of circles. Uh, like there are 12 types that fit into 476 different types of perfect, uh, different types of circles. So just thought that was interesting. Even though I made the meme joke about 1.5 times eight presses, I think this is really, really cool. And Steve, I really want you to send me that Google Docs link <laughs> because I will, ob- I will obsess over this tonight. Uh, I don't have the Google Doc link, but I'll, uh, I just have like all the, everything I pretty much read, but I will, I will email him for the, the Google Doc and maybe we can share that in awesome. Slack. It's really cool. Yeah. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. That was really awesome. Uh, Jesse writes in and says, autosaves in Pokemon would be the worst, especially if they didn't let you turn it off and force you to use save. Listening to the most recent show, I had to send in a message about this. There are a lot of games that autosave. So to back up, you guys said that the demo doesn't allow you to save. Correct. And so I said that I think it would be awesome if none of the Pokemon games, where all future Pokemon games, wouldn't allow you to save. Because really, there's no need to save anymore in Pokemon game. And what I mean by that is that you the game can save faster than you can go into a menu and tell it to save and so if you were to go into a battle that battle animation of loading the battle could save and when you finish the battle that closing animation can save the game which is normally why you would save a game you would save a game before a battle or you would save a game after a battle if you're at a store shopping for items once you've made that purchase it saves once you leave a st- once you leave a building or go into a building it saves once you go into a new route it saves there's really no instances in a game where you need to tell it to save if the game is already doing that that's why the demo does what the demo does the main argument is that if you're trying to catch legendaries it becomes very frustrating to have to go through the Elite Four again to make it respawn if you accidentally kill the thing. That's the main argument against it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, my argument against that was if you're killing the legendary on accident, you should be punished in some way of, okay, the legendary is going to come back and whether that's through the Elite Four or through some other means because obviously... They can change their games however they want. You're still learning something from that experience of like, I would rather not learn and grow from my experience of Pokemon. <laughs> I want this to be a pure. No, I don't. I mean, we, I don't, we had a, like a long discussion about this in that one episode. And I realized after I, I really just, I don't, I don't care. I thought I did, <laughs> but I don't. So I don't really need to engage in this anymore. I think <laughs> I play Pokemon for fun. Fun. So the, the game saving would do everyone a better job in not for like forgetting to save. As as a as a graphic designer or even editing a podcast, and I don't know if Will's ever run into that where you're two hours into editing a podcast. Hey, Will's not the only person who edits. Oh, podcasts my fault. My fault. Here. But. I've been in, so let, let me just use the podcast thing. I've edited a two hour podcast before and I haven't saved it. And then all of a sudden my house lost power. 
And that work is out the window. And there are absolutely instances where people have played Pokemon for several hours and maybe closed the DS or put it down and the battery was already low and suddenly the battery dies and now you lost your two to three hours of progress. Like that absolutely definitely happens. Or, you know, you plug it into a charger, but the charger's not plugged into a wall. I might have done that before. And so the, anyone can just look at somebody and go, well, just save often. Just, just save. You're, you're preaching to the choir. I went to college for graphic design. They said that all the time. There's nothing like working on a three-hour Photoshop pro- project, and then all of a sudden, uh, Photoshop suddenly crashes and you lose everything. Now, again, newer Photoshops have built-in save states to prevent that. But back in 2006, that didn't exist, and you would lose three hours of work. And I think probably in schools, they tell you to save your work pretty often when it comes to Word and when it comes to Excel and all that stuff. People are just going to forget to save. That's just going to happen. There's not going to be any uh, light at the end of the tunnel where people are all going to get on the same page and start saving every five minutes. So yeah, I just think the, the, the game should save itself. And in instances of accidentally killing a legendary Pokemon or whatever, there should be safeguards to bring those Pokemon back. I think it's weird that a Pokemon like a shiny Geodude or a shiny Electrode are, or a shiny Abra are more rare or harder to get or are more surprising than a Giratina or a Darkrai or a Shaman. Because when you run into a shiny Electrode, First off, sweet, a shiny Pokemon. Secondly, that Pokemon knows how to explode. And if I don't do something, I'm never going to have that opportunity to get this Pokemon again. And that is both super exciting and makes that Pokemon extremely rare. And there is no save state prior to encountering that Pokemon where you can just fall back on. And I think Pokemon should have more of that, of really high-energy, high-risk battles. Because that also pays respect to that Pokemon you just caught. Like, if I I just caught a shiny Abra, I'm probably feeling pretty proud because the first thing that Abra's going to do is probably teleport out of the battle. But that that was just my argument. But thank you, Jesse, for writing in. I'm sure Pokemon Sun and Moon will allow you to save as much as you want. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't changed it at all. Yeah. Mike writes in and says, this is a question for everyone. Who is your spirit Pokemon and why? Mm. Don't start with me. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I do. It's Dartrix. We went over this. <laughs> I, have, I have seen Just hair. Just start with me. Oh, wait, here it is. <laughs> I've got seen hair. I care a lot about my appearance. And I have keen accuracy with darts. With darts? Nice. That's not actually true, but I'm working on it. I think that's the joke I made the last time I brought up Dartrex and made this identical joke, and it's still true. I remember when spirit Pokemon were super big, and it was closer to... Take this Facebook quiz! Who is your spirit Pokemon? (laughs) What color is your lightsaber? And what celebrity lookalike do you look alike? (laughs) <laughs> when, whew, spot on when we started it's super effective i want to say we were 20 to 30 episodes in where tumblr erupted with the spirit pokemon and you could take 
uh, like this dice rolling thing that would be like, you rolled a 25, look up 25 in the Pokedex. That's Pikachu. Okay, that's Open your Open up the nearest book to you. The <laughs> third word on the sixth line of the chapter, whatever you open to, is the the number of days you'll have to wait until you get married. <laughs> yeah, so I, and I remember people doing a lot of little illustrations and doodles and everything all around this, and it definitely lasted for like a month or two uh, before it completely fell off the face of the internet. Uh, when I read this question, and I know there was some slack talk about it uh, a month or so ago, when I read this question, to me it just says, like, what Pokemon do you, do you relate to the most? Maybe, maybe that's my interpretation, and maybe you guys see it differently. I feel like what Pokemon you relate to the most really fits at least with Travis and his Pokemon pick. Yeah. So I don't know. Will, you have a, you have a Pokemon? Wait, yours is Audino? I mean, hey! I because oh! you like, like audio Jokes. stuff and everything, but you don't have big ears. You do get a lot of EXP when you kill him, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Got to grind, grind those Steves. I, well, I mean, if I was going to get a tattoo, I would have it as a scene of Victini and um, Zoroark battling, because those are the two Pokemon, I guess, that I feel spiritually embody inside my soul, the, the spirit of victory and the, you know, need to camouflage my true nature. Are you an imposter? Yes. Um, You've never seen the real Will. Uh, Probably going along with my answer of Oblivion Wing for my favorite Pokemon move, uh, Eveltal, the Pokemon that embodies destruction and the the end of all things. Or just death. Uh, I think there's a distinction between those two concepts. What is Eveltal's Pokemon name? Oh, it's the destruction Pokemon. Oh, is it really? (laughs) Yes. It is, yeah. I stand corrected. Uh, I don't know who I would pick. Maybe Garboder. Uh, I see that. And I'll I'll leave it as that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Do a couple more questions here. Jack writes in saying, hey, ISC gang, just want to let you know that I really love your show. I've been listening for about a year and I look forward to it every week. My Pokemon story is I started back when Red and Blue first came out and continued with Gold 2. I stopped playing when it became uncool at later ages, but I picked up Omega Ruby last year and I really enjoyed getting back into Pokemon again. Your show has been a great source for news and discussion during my uh, reunion with the series. You've also gotten me to play Trimps. I've also recently started playing Monster Hunter 3U because of you too. Keep up the good work. Uh, keep up the excellent work on ISE and Mythical 2. Irene's Talia is hilarious. I look forward to playing in playing along in Alola with all you guys. Thanks. Was there a question in there? No, no, no question. All right. Uh, Eric writes thank in. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Eric writes in. Hey, SBJ, first off, thank you for keeping me, keeping us up to date with Sun and Moon News. Been listening to the podcast since Pokemon Go launched, and I've been hearing fans talk so enthusiastically about the franchise on a weekly, weekly basis has made me super excited for the new games. I have to ask, though, why do you have such a strong dislike for Generation 3 games? I've been playing since Blue version, and I am fond of Sapphire slash Emerald as I am fond of Blue and Silver. I think you previously suggested Age Influence 
which gens you remember more fondly. For context, I am 24, and my friends of the same age also love Gen 3 as well. Not sure how old you are. Thanks, and keep up the good work. With me specifically, I uh, I don't know if I've ever told this or elaborated on this, but uh, I started playing Pokemon when I was 8 or 9, and that was... That was, for me, the end of 5th grade and mostly 6th grade. Uh, well, no, the end of 4th grade, into 5th grade, into 6th grade, something like that. And Gold and Silver came out when I was in 7th grade. And at that point, I switched middle schools. I went to a different middle school in 6th grade than I did in 7th grade. And so, you know, I'm still full force into Pokemon at that age and I couldn't find find anyone that liked Pokemon at that point I think Harry Potter might have been the big thing but also you know computers and chat rooms and skateboarding just trying to think of like things that I remember were semi-popular at the time definitely not Pokemon and I remember sitting at a lunchroom table uh you know, still being a relatively new student because all these kids have gone, you know, from first grade up. And so they all know each other. And I came from a different city and, you know, talking about plants tonight. And I was like, this is my, I'm going to plant the seed. I'm going to tell people that I'm getting Pokemon silver tonight. And I'm super excited. And I remember saying that to the lunch table at the time of like, oh, what are you guys doing tonight? Blah, blah, blah. We're all kids. We hang out and skateboard and probably do drugs. Uh, and so I remember going like, oh, I'm playing, you know, I'm getting Pokemon Silver tonight. I'm really excited. And the whole table just looked at me and we're like, and oh, you're, you're getting that kid's game. People still play Pokemon. And like, I was like instantly laughed at and humiliated at that table. And, uh, easy, easy to not go back to that table in the future because I know and I'm not wanted, right? Like, Pokemon was so important to me at, at being that age. And I eventually found... I eventually found a couple kids that did play Pokemon, and we did the little uh, Game Boy Color link-up in gold and silver and, and played that to death and everything. And then I moved schools again. I moved uh, again to a different city. Uh, from 7th and 8th grade, and my time with Gold and Silver was, you know, well spent. I put hundreds of hours into it. I played it enough, and when I moved to that new city, again, uh, meeting new friends and everything, and Pokemon wasn't on top of my radar at the time just because I did play it a lot, and I kind of went through it, and I was playing different games and stuff, and... Everyone I've met and played, they were they were playing like Tony Hawk, or that's when Halo first came out, or uh, Perfect Dark, or Time Splitters, like these more adult shooter games. And I could tell just you know from actually being within these kids' houses and playing with them and going through that, like Pokemon was not on their radar. So when uh, when Omega, when <laughs> Omega, when Ruby and Sapphire came out. I just brushed it off as like maybe I did outgrow that. Like none of these kids are getting Pokemon. None of these kids are talking about it. And my mom even asked me like, 
oh, do you want the new Pokemon games for your birthday or for Christmas? I don't remember. And I said, like, no, I, I would rather have, like, these games. And that's what I got. And then I moved again uh, right before Diamond and Pearl came out, uh, maybe a year before. And it was actually a friend of mine at the time who was like, oh, I'm, I'm really excited for the new Pokemon game I haven't played in years. And then at this point, I was in high school. And I was like, oh, you're getting... Like, oh, I, like, I'll get it. Like, yeah, this will be, like, the cool, let's play these old games and, like, relive memories. And that's when I got back in. So, I think, for me, that's a pretty okay story of why I missed Gen 3. And I eventually did go back to Gen 3 after I played Diamond and Pearl. And I didn't think it was as good as Generation 4. But it was, it's hard to make that connection. At, at least for me, it was hard to make that connection of playing a game that was three years old uh, after playing Diamond and Pearl. It was just like, you're losing all these features, you're going back, um, it's not dual screen, it's single screen, so the things that Ruby and Sapphire did, like double battles, like weather, like, that wasn't new to me anymore because I played Diamond and Pearl. So nothing there really shocked me, nothing there really stuck with me, and nothing there really stood out besides a couple Pokemon. My turn. <laughs> I am 23 years old, so very similar to the age of the individual writing in. Just a tad younger. I would say that Gen 3 is my least favorite generation because I think that those games are the least polished of, of the... Well, I mean, Gen 1 is... is is definitely the least polished game that that Pokemon has released, but <laughs> no one's arguing there. <laughs> yeah, but there's something to be said for the fact that it is the original, and you don't have to make that polished of a game if the concept itself is that alluring as it was in Gen One. But then you need to do more with it as things go on. Um, Gen Two, I feel like perfected the. Gen 2 had a good sense of how to reward the player. The extensive post-game is a thing people talk about a lot, and I think that's a great example where you... You know, it's an early example of games rewarding players with more content. I was just talking about this in regards to Super Mario World, where you have those the levels that were the special levels that were like tubular and uh, rad or whatever the the all those levels were called where you know typically a game traditionally like traditionally a game rewards you with just like points or more um like a, a place on a high score menu um and those early games that rewarded you with more content i feel like that was a really cool innovation because um it realized that additional challenges are a reward in and of themselves. And I thought that was really cool as a kid that in Gen 2, I could go back and, and play through the Gen 1 gyms and have this basically the second game attached to it. Then Gen 3 rolls around and it does a few things that were really tedious. First, and I realize this is also true of Gen 4, there's no change on this front, the HM... So the HMs hit their height here. You had the, the highest number of HMs in Generations 3 and 4, which I know seems like a small nitpick, but 
one of the best things about the single player experience of Pokemon is assembling your team and HMs are radically restrictive of the Pokemon you can have on your team because I never like having the uh, just a a mule Pokemon that just has all HMs. I find that really unsatisfying. So I would always try to just make a team and fit my HMs in to the team I already had. And inevitably you wouldn't have a Pokemon that could dive or you wouldn't have a Pokemon uh, that could cut and, or you didn't want to remove a move slot for it. And gen three is along with gen four is the biggest offender of that. In addition to that, the generation has, at least it felt like it had. I don't know. I I haven't done like the research to go back and, and check the time, but I feel like it has the most time of any generation spent on a combination of water and caves, which I would say are Pokemon's least fun elements. These places where random encounters are unavoidable is incredibly frustrating at times, especially given that the games traditionally and Gen 3 is no exception give you very little variety in in the Pokemon that you do encounter in those locations. And the pacing of the game is pretty subpar at points, especially the beginning, and I would say directly preceding and directly after the big story events surrounding Groudon or Kyogre or Rayquaza or the combination of the three, depending on if you're playing Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. I would say those are my main three complaints. And the Pokemon designs don't speak to me personally. They all have this sort of earthy quality that isn't very appealing to me. And I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, I did not find the story to be compelling, and I don't want to have a Pokemon game where I have a dad. I mean, those are good reasons. I know they are, because yeah. they're mine. <laughs> I would say that I don't... Pro- th- this is the thing. Whenever I say I don't like Gen 3, and I list my other reasons for not liking Gen 3, I feel like a lot of the time I say that, people respond and say I'm being unfair or I'm not letting them like Gen 3. By all means, in- enjoy your game... I, I, I just don't enjoy it as much as the other games. I don't begrudge anyone for, for liking that generation of the series. But um, when people ask me, what do you feel about Gen 3? I'm going to tell them what I feel about Gen 3. Right, yeah. And notice mine wasn't really complaining about the game. It was just, uh, wrong time, wrong place. It's yeah, interesting where, where because... Where you were in your life, yeah. It's interesting because... I've told this story on the show because I didn't really like Gen 3. And it, it, it was it, it was interesting because I still played Gen 3 all the way through and then had the thought I didn't like this as much as I liked playing Gens 1 or 2 and then came to the conclusion maybe I've grown out of this. So it, it, the, that conclusion was at a different point in relation to gen three so i thought you know maybe i've grown out of this maybe it's just not as fun to me anymore so in gen four rolled around i wasn't planning on getting the game until my brother who is considerably older than me said you're getting the new pokemon game right we have to play it together And i was like fine i'll get your 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 kids game and i'll play it 
And then I, I absolutely adored it, and I am where I am here. But it's interesting that the game was legitimately disappointing enough for me that it made me consider, it made me falsely assume that the franchise didn't have anything to offer me anymore. And I think that's pretty indicative of the fact that the game is not quite as polished as the other generations that proceed and follow it. Right, right. Uh, let's do one more question. Jason writes in here, Hey, SBJ and crew, I wanted to know why you like Pokemon. Simple question, but sometimes it's nice to look back on why the series speaks to you. I can, I can go first if you guys need time to think. Let me collect my thoughts, yes. All right, all right. Same. So for me, I think that's... There's been a lot of conversations and slack... Uh, especially in the, like the video game channel of are you getting this game? Are you getting this game? This is what I'm playing. This is what I'm not playing and that you know that comes from people playing you know Overwatch or Titanfall or What other uh, what other? What other game other games they were playing and I Thought a little bit more about that because I don't want I, I don't want to be in a position where where I'm telling somebody not to enjoy the game they're playing. So, for example, I am not a fan of Overwatch, and I played probably 30 or so hours of Overwatch, and I think that's a pretty decent chunk of time uh, to decide if I like or not like a game. And so, for me... Why don't I like a game like Overwatch? And I think it comes down to you're not you're not getting anything out of it. And what I mean by that is I don't take pleasure in getting better at a game. I think there are games I feel like I am good at and I have gotten better, and that is definitely rewarding. But in Overwatch, getting cosmetic skins uh, is not the carrot on a stick that I need. Whereas, if I think about Destiny, and I've put, I think at this point, 1,300 hours into Destiny, I think how is that much different than Overwatch? I mean, they're both shooters, they both have cosmetics that don't affect the game, uh, cosmetics in Destiny that I've definitely paid a lot of money for, and and uh, other people probably would have not and think I'm a little uh, little off for doing so. Uh, and I think with Destiny there, w with me, it was, it was more the collection aspect of that where I like having everything. I like looking through the rare and exotic guns I've collected and, and like remember when I got them, how I got them who I got them when I was doing it with, whether it's a raid weapon or, or, or not, or an iron banner weapon, because those, those strike back specific memories of like, oh, I remember playing uh, Vault of Glass with Will and uh, these other people, and I remember getting the Vex class at the end, and that was very exciting, and I remember that moment pretty well. And that reminded me of, you know, really why I actually like Pokemon, and I think it is that, collecting aspect when I 
I remember the very first time I caught Halucha. I remember the very first time I found Gumi. I remember the very first time I stumbled upon Golduck. I remember the very first time I found Articuno, uh, which was right after the Golduck, and I didn't have a Master Ball. And I think that's very clear why I like Pokemon and why I like Destiny and a game like Overwatch doesn't... There's no moments that that let me do that. Um, there might be a really sick, wicked kill that I got in Overwatch, but it never stood out to me in the 30 hours I played. Maybe I'm just not good enough to get that sick, wicked kill, but does that make sense, though? Like, the comparison I had between the two games and why I like them, I think... I don't know how to explain, like, what that reason is, but I think maybe just specific moments is in a game is, is what makes me gravitate towards it. It makes sense to me, because Pokemon is a game with a lot of built-in rewards, be it the leveling progression of Pokemon, or simply seeing your Pokedex number fill up, or getting gym badges. There are There's a ludicrous amount of progression bars, essentially, and there's something very psychologically satisfying of seeing those things fill up. And Pokemon is a game that's built around making a bunch of different progression bars, giving those character, and making you feel for these things that you're collecting. Um, so not only is it satisfying you in the psychological dopamine release sense, but it's also appealing to aesthetics at the same time. Would you say that, that that's an accurate yeah, sum- yeah. summary? Totally. Oh yeah, I I was or actually organizing my Pokemon and Pokemon Bank uh, yesterday because I'm not I'm not I, I know I don't have a living Dex, but I wanted to see how close I was, so I was putting all my Kanto Pokemon in order. And I'm somebody who is very rigorous about giving every Pokemon I catch a nickname, and just going through and looking at all the nicknames and then remembering why I nicknamed each Pokemon that name <laughs> made the experience special to me. Right. Yeah. And it, it is my collection that I keep in bank. There, There is a reason why I have each of those Pokemon and especially, you know, all of them with the nicknames and, and the names that I gave them, which are a reflection of the love that I have for the Pokemon, which is why you cannot change the name of the Pokemon when I trade it to you. I would agree. Do you mind if I take that as a segue to explain one of my points of why I like it? Yeah. Take away. away. I have always really liked video game RPGs. Some of my favorite games are uh, Chrono Trigger is one of my favorite games of all time. Same with uh, the Kingdom Hearts series. Likes to, I, I also like seeing numbers go up as I invest time in them. Um, I realize that sounds sort of surface level, but I realized that at one point that a lot of the games I like are games where you spend time in them. And you and you see numbers go up and the game gets easier because your level increases like that sort of um, that feeling of of mastery is pretty satisfying. So I've always gravitated towards RPGs generally. And Pokemon has the added element where a lot of the times I don't like an RPG because I don't connect very well to the characters. I don't feel emotionally connected to them in any way. There are games where that is the case. I really love Robo, for instance, in Chrono Trigger. I really relate to that character. But if an RPG has doesn't have characters that I relate to, then even though it, it scratches all of the same itches as games that I do like, I don't really feel that strong 
of a connection to it. But with Pokemon, because there's such a level of personalization of creating your own team that you're going to run through the gyms in the Elite Four with, as Will mentioned, the fact that you can name them whatever you want, you can adjust their movesets however you want, that you are necessarily, not necessarily, I guess some people could go through without necessarily engaging in that way, but you're more likely to develop an emotional connection to the Pokemon that you catch and train than you are to the character someone wrote in Final Fantasy VIII or whatever. Um, so it has a combination of, of, of a game formula I really like and a tried-and-true way to make me care for its characters. And I also like trading with my friends. That's really fun. <laughs> it's almost like we have like the same answer. Yeah. Which is well, pretty cool. the, the one other thing that I could add to, or a couple other things that I could add to what you guys said, is that there's such a diversity of ways to enjoy Pokemon, and I, you know, touch on little bits of each and every one, like the actual going to the competitions and doing VGC battles at a competition against people I've never met, and, you know, having that in common, and just having that day where maybe, like, I can go with Joe and Jeff and go meet up at a competition have fun for the day doing that silly stuff, which is kind of independent than the story part of the game, but still contributes to the fun that I have with the game, which I, I don't see in a lot of other games, you know, because if you want to do esports, right, you have to be at a level where you're going to be invited to be in a competition. But with Pokemon, it's like anybody can show up and be part of the competition. Um, and then, you know, if you like the story part, if you like the collecting part, that's what's enjoyable to you. Uh, and then there's also, right, the community around it, people who create art and different things to celebrate their love of Pokemon. And I think that the people who are the actual Pokemon creators support that environment so much by, you know, especially like on Twitter, like retweeting when somebody does an art piece that they really like and saying how much they like it and, and supporting it in that way that that uh, adds a lot to what the, the that's more than just what's in the games. Can't disagree with you there. You can never disagree with me because I'm always right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that I think that was a good question. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, again, you can email sbj at pkmncast.com or go to pokemonpodcast.com and hit that contact button. And uh, I will try to get to them uh, in future episodes. I don't know what our what our game plan is for Sun and Moon. I'm I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing a, a mini series as well uh, on top of our weekly episodes. But I'm not sure I'm not sure what our format's going to be yet for main series episodes and the mini episodes I do. So uh, hopefully in the next week uh, we'll figure that out. But we have uh, one more normal podcast before sun and moon time so i don't even know what to expect for next week i don't know what pokemon is going to give us but i do know i do know that swoobat is our pokemon of the week picked by griffin and i'm going to toss it over to travis and he's going to swoobat it up for us i wasn't even looking at what people submitted but now i'm going to um okay here we have a move set from koopa prez no, not Koopa Press this time. Um, it's at Walkin' the Dog, like, <laughs> like Christopher Walken, like like Christopher Walken, and and the profile picture is Christopher, Christopher Walken, Walken dressed up like red. Yeah, 
<laughs> and it's really satisfying. <laughs> um, again, this is from the Pokemon of the Week channel in our Patreon Slack community. Walking the dog set is with simple, which is a great ability I'll get to in a second. The nature is timid. The item is life orb. The EVs are four in HP, 252 in special attack, 252 in speed. The moves are calm mind, stored power, U-turn, and roost. This set is built around simple. Simple is an ability where stat changes are doubled. So a stat change that would normally increase your stat by one stage and instead do it by two um increases that would do it by two like sword stance or something will do it will increase your that stat by four stages and so because of that pokemon with simple tend towards being better setup sweepers than than typical sweepers so you're going to include moves like calm mind as is in the as is the case here because one calm mind will increase your special attack and special defense by two stages, making it difficult for you to be taken out by other special attacking Pokemon. Um, that's also benef- That's also boosted by your access to Roost, which will increase your HP, and also dramatically increases your offensive output. Stored Power is a move whose base power increases based on how many stages your stats have been increased by, so it has natural synergy with Simple and with Calm Mind. Um, U-turn is the other move that I haven't mentioned, although you're not getting a lot of damage out of it. The ability to have more control of which Pokemon takes the damage when you switch is surprisingly important because sometimes U-turn, if you're slower, will mean that the Pokemon you have out takes the damage as opposed to the Pokemon switching in, which can be very beneficial. And also just the fact that you can get damage, you can get damage off and switch is very important, even if it's just a bit of chip damage. The uh, I'll, I'll trust walking the dog's math. Uh, they say walking the if dog. Their is, if their math is correct, then after three calm minds, stored power has three hundred and ninety base power uh, with same type attack bonus uh, and life orb. It brings it to five hundred and seven base power, which is pretty ludicrous. Granted, you're likely not going to get all three call mines off but even one or two is going to be pretty powerful hit um swoobat doesn't really have the base stats for it to be a complete powerhouse of this move set but it's still a fun sort of alternative setup sweeper that you can play around with swoobat is also really cute woobat is even cuter i really like this line <laughs> a shiny zoo swoobat is going to be yellow instead of blue, and instead of like a light blue cloud, it is a little green. Again, uh, some work was put into the shiny, and I respect that. Subat's evolutionary line has similar, several similarities with Crobats. All are members of lines based on bats. All reach their respective final evolutionary, evolutionary form via friendship. I mean, several, I guess, is just two, but... You tell me, Bulbapedia. <laughs> Subat is based on a flying fox and has a and a heart-nosed bat, which apparently is a real thing. I'm not going to click that image because I don't think bats are really uh, that appealing to look at. 
Did I ever tell you about the time where I came back from your house and woke up the next morning and there was a bat flying around my bedroom? When you came back from Milwaukee back to D.C.? Yep. And there was a bat in your room? My bedroom, yep. I I I would burn down my house. I wouldn't be able to tolerate that. <laughs> well, you know, there's six other units in the building. I or five other units. I can't really burn the whole building down just because my place has a problem. And I thought you were someone who wanted to watch the world burn. <laughs> it was a little bat. It was real cute. Uh-huh. Except it was snowing outside, and I put it outside, and I think it died. Where did it come from? Outside. I. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. So before, remember. Okay. Remember glove window. I remember we, glove have, window. Have yet, okay. So before glove window, it was the time of the old windows in Will's house, and that means windows that were installed in 1980. So they weren't doing so good at their window job of necessarily keeping the outside world out and I the see. inside world in. Understand. And I occasionally got things like flying squirrels and bats in my home I, <laughs> because I live in the woods. I could not handle that. Well, I have new windows now that successfully keep the outside world out. What, what like it, okay. You just had to sit through a few weeks of having a glove in your window yeah, right. to, to get to months. the promised land of real windows. So yeah. if you have something like ants or even like a fly, right? There there are there are things to dispose of those pests. Uh what how what, how do you get rid of a bat? Do you call somebody? Oh no no! I just got like a like a plastic bowl and yeah, but see me, I'm not doing that. So what do I do? What? Then you call somebody, but why can't you do it? I I just don't have you know the uh, the skill set to achieve that. You know. I trust me. A flying squirrel is much harder to deal with than a bat. Okay, because I mean, the bat just kind of like tries to get into a corner and hang out, and then you're like, put the bowl over it, and then you put the lid on the other side, and he falls in the bowl. You keep put the lid on, you take him outside, and then there you go. Flying squirrels, like they run around most of the time, and then they're like, oh, I can get away, and they jump up and try to fly, and it's like. You think you got the bowl on it, and then it jumps and like spreads its little wings and flies across your living room, and you're what? like, "Oh no!" <laughs> One more question before you wrap up the show: What does your dog do in these two situations? I usually lock the dog and cat in whatever room the little woodland creature is not in, so that they don't murder it. Ugh. I mean, mostly she listens and ignores them. The cat usually tries to kill whatever gets in there. Yeah, house. that's what I'm talking about. Your cats don't even have claws. No, but they're fascinated with bugs. Let me tell you. I believe it. But um, little bats are cute. They're real cute. Oh, they're like little mice with wings. They're so sweet. You know, They're not rodents, though. They're not actually rats with wings, like people say. I mean... I like Swoobat. I'm going to put that out there. Real bats. It's a very great Pokemon. Not, not, not going to tolerate that. I think, uh, uh, yep, can't do real bats. I think that's our show for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the segment with Griffin. He's a, a fantastic, fantastic dude and, and exists in various other outlets on the internet. So, uh, be sure to keep up with him if that's something that tickles your fancy. 
Uh, otherwise, a little bit of house cleaning here before we we wrap up. If you like, if if you too believe that money is no good in the bank, then let me direct you to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash It's Super Effective. Uh, or you can just go to PokemonPodcast.com and hit that support button at the top of the page. But for as little as a dollar a month, you can join our Slack community, which is a... Uh, do you remember AOL chat rooms? It's like that, but better. And there are over 250 people? I think that's right. Over 250 people that hang out, they trade, they battle, they play Pokemon Shuffle. They talk about 286 their, members. They talk about their Pokemon Go strategies. Uh, there's a healthy living segment. There's a segment for Mythical, our other D&D podcast, where people uh, are very upset about the ending of Season 2. Uh, and every, <laughs> every reason to be. Uh, so yeah. And for $4 a month, you can join our Gold channel. Uh, there's a bunch of, uh, of other rewards. But if you want to support the show... There, that's what you can do. Patreon.com slash It's Super Effective. If you want to support the show without giving us money, which is totally acceptable, we don't, we don't need your money. It just, it just helps us do cool and new things uh, that Travis and I are, and Will are planning in a month to do something pretty cool for you guys. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that now. Uh, if you want to support the show without any money, uh, leaving a review on iTunes would be extremely helpful. We're at 650-some reviews, so... We would love to get to 700. Uh, so if you can do that, awesome. Super great. Would appreciate it. But I think that's our show. So Travis is at the Travis W on Twitter. Will is at Washing the Sink. I am at Dragging a Lake. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it is at Pokemon Podcast. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are... Super effective. Super Chiroptera. Excuse me? What a, what, a, what a dirty dog. That's, a, that's the order Chica, in which Chica, cats are. Chica. Chica.